Exactly, Lee Chi Chi. I'm so popular. We are out on the streets of Shinjuku today. I have a very special guest with me. We are going to discuss Aromatics Elixir and my favorite podcast of all time and probably my uh, leading artistic influence, The Perfume Nationalist. And I'm joined by a friend visiting from New York. Who are you? Um, Matthew. Hey, Matthew. What are you doing? I'm walking on the street in Shinjuku with Zach. <laughs> That's exactly what you're doing. Why do you follow me? Um, because of Jack. Ah, well, look at that. How did you get into TPN? Um, I discovered it somehow through Twitter, rehashing what I said a little bit before. On uh-huh. The Perfume Nationalist, I came from a more libertarian sphere. That's right. But I did go to art school, so I have <laughs> to tell everybody in the world that I went to art school for the rest of my life. Um, so I have an artistic bent, and there was nothing of the sorts that existed before uh, TPN, uh-huh. and I stumbled upon it, and I, like the Titanic, I, I held on for dear life. Wow. That's exactly how I feel. Um, I actually encountered it in a kind of a strange way, because I found it on Reddit, on the Red Scare Reddit, yeah. actually. Uh, I believe someone was... It was in one thread, and I was whining about how one of my friends in college got uh, pissed at me for talking about Irreversible, and uh, some commenter, whoever it was, said I should listen to TPM. So I listened to the Irreversible episode and immediately heard him talking about things like uh, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne, Silent Hill 2 in like the same episode. Uh, he was like shitting on John Waters, which <laughs> shocked me, and I was so compelled that I immediately fell for the vision. Jack came on my show soon after, and he's been mother ever since. But it is kind of funny to do an episode uh, talking about Jack and TPN yeah. because he's such a dear friend at this point. But I kind of feel like it's a, an interesting thought experiment. And also, like, uh, he did those great episodes about Cumtown and Red Scare very early in his show. Yeah. So I feel like it's kind of paying homage to that. Totally. What is TPN? Um, it's a... It's a a vision, it's a worldview, it's a life, it's a experiential, it's a universe you enter, that's that's what it is, <laughs> it's, it's more than a show, it's like everything. Yeah, it's absolutely a whole contained worldview on its own. Oh, and a, and a spawn contained world of, of people, and, and I mean, that's why I'm here today, that's why I'm on the street, with, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be here with, without TPN. Amazing. Okay, I'm looking. We're going to Nose Shop Shinjuku, which I believe is on the second floor of this building. So let's go into New Woman. Nice. It's a department store. Of course, it would be in a department store like this. Ah, perfect. (sighs) So you're visiting Japan with uh, your girlfriend and some friends. I really like doing in-person episodes. It always warms my heart. Yeah. What's, how's Japan been for you so far? It's, um, I, I mean, I, I like it. 
but I don't think it's fair to me for me to give a like or don't like. It's just something <laughs> that I'm experiencing because what, what I found out over this trip is that there's many different levels of the Japanese culture, mm. and I'm experiencing it on the very surface level That's right. because everything here is about visual pleasures mm. and pornography to a degree. Absolutely. Over this image of, of Japan where it's like minimalism but, it, but it's maximalist. It's extremely maximalist. Yeah. I think it's because uh, Japanese people tend to be tidy and keep their houses clean yes. and their houses are quite sparse. Yeah. However, this department store that we're in right now is cursed. It's like it is just uh, spilling over with objects. <laughs> um, well, it'll be in here somewhere. We'll find it. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Follow there's a, there's an enormous nose statue outside mm. of it. Okay. <laughs> well, I have to make some comments about the Japanese and fragrance. Oh yes, which please. Is, which is very scant. Uh, mm. And I mean, maybe that's obvious to some people, but. Um, when you go into we went to like Don Quixote mm. and all the men's fragrances are like the lightest uh, aquatic like almost like you're wearing nothing it's funny because um, when I take you out to Nichome tonight you'll, you might get a little bit of a different experience yeah. because uh, gay men don't really follow Japanese social rules yeah. as much and they like to put on a lot of uh, Chanel de Bleu yeah is that what it's called like uh, Bleu yeah, de Bleu Chanel, Chanel yeah. got it so that is like the uh <laughs> That's like the the big common scent of a uh, good old Nichome. Yeah. And because no because Japanese people wear like kind of a, a scant and passing like a uh, fragrance profile on them, it kind of makes it so that you when you wear the same amount of perfume you, you might wear in America, you definitely stand out more and you feel a little bit bolder and more enlivened. Yes. What are you wearing today? Um, I'm wearing CG Suji. Oh, you're wearing Sugi? Yeah. Oh, amazing. That is my quintessential Tokyo fragrance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what Sam recommended. Yes, that's what we discussed in a, an episode last season uh, about the band perfume, and I paired it with that fragrance because it's like the most Japanese scent I can imagine oh, to totally, me. Yeah. It's like a fake tree, yeah. that yellow bottle, and. Uh, it, yeah, it's like a beautiful, fake, spicy tree. I don't know. It feels exactly like how you'd imagine. It, it's got those, like, notes of, uh, like, CDG black pepper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it goes to... We, we were on the second floor. Like, right? Um, maybe this is the first one? Does that say M2? Oh, yes. Mezzanine oh, two. Mezzanine 2. What do you know? Well, one thing about uh, TPN is that it introduced me to fragrance. Is it the same for you, or did you know before, or like? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, my mom actually worked in like cosmetics. Right. Yeah. Um, so it was a, a gate to open to get closer with her to talk about and learn about fragrance that yeah. way, you know? Because she knows about all this stuff, and, and it was new to me. Here we go. All right. Here's a Chanel here. Do you have any Chanel yourself? 
my girlfriend has uh, Mademoiselle and uh. Chance. I'm not supposed to point, right? Please point. Okay. Um, as long as it's not is, a human, this right? This is the Emily in Paris episode. Oh, I've never smelled it. Really? I love it. Yeah. Wow. Frosty, rosy. Yeah, it's so fresh. Citrusy, yeah. Good for... I think men could wear it, too. It's addictive. Yeah. Okay, what about Chance? Chance is, I think, more typical kind of ladies. I would wear this in drag, probably. Yeah. But if I wore this uh, with my mustache, it would be kind of funny. <laughs> We're both sporting mustaches. We mean, are. What do you think of mine? Thicker. You yeah. like it? Yeah, it looks good. Thanks. It's three weeks old. Happy oh. birthday. <laughs> I've actually never... Number five? Yeah, I've never actually properly smelled number five before. Oh, it's beautiful. I'm asking my grandma. <laughs> Not in a bad way. No. But she, I buy the body smoother or the body lotion for her for that. Well, being reminded of your grandma is actually a, a favorable yeah. comparison and not a negative, I imagine. Well, here we are yeah. at Nose Shop. Of course, there's a uh, bath type of uh, Greek sculpture of a nose. Yeah, so it's a bunch <laughs> of uh, bath sculptures <laughs> of Augustus, and they have just the nose colored in. All right, shall we investigate? Yeah. Oh, you all. Oh, my goodness, is blue. Right. <laughs> so, podcast will skip a little bit. That's the first comment I've ever gotten that was like laughing, like disbelief about it. It looks like, you know, uh, Dr. Seuss. I know, it looks ridiculous. Okay, so this is My Son Louis Marie. Do you know? No. I don't either. Let's oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Oh, quite light. It's like a candle, this one. Yeah, it's kind of just thinking the same thing. Green. Rurong Fong. Oh, it's like a type of food that they're naming it after. Oh, this? Yeah, it's like an Indonesian food. It's got that... It's like fruit, but oh. in a jungle way. They have a... Oh, yeah. Oh, hi, Have you smelled T-Rex? I've never smelled T-Rex, and now I get the chance to. This one's scary. It's scary? Yeah, it's a scary. Look, at, look how full the bottle is compared to the other ones. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. It's very intense. Yeah. Do when you I, have a bottle of this? When I went to the Lucky Scent in uh, the Lower East Side, they told me they wouldn't spray it indoors because it stinks is up it, the, 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 the room for the rest of the day. And that was paired with Stalker, yeah. which, if I recall correctly, was the final Jugs appearance on TPN. Yeah. And then she died and went into the Twin a Peaks fiery, electricity with the yeah. T-Rex smell. A oh, fiery volcanic, a volcanic Seahorse. <laughs> we did a, I did a photograph of a friend of mine, Scott, with... Do they have bat? No, I don't think they do. Bat? Yeah. They don't have uh, the one that I just did with Jack either that I had to buy a sample of. Which... It was, um... It's like the, the it's like an African rat. <laughs> I forgot the name of it already. I want to work here. <laughs> you should. These are um, really wild bottles. I love these bottles. These are to just uh, to describe to the listener this brand Mendita Rosa. Mendita Rosa. And it has these sort of. <gasps> uh, 
the bottles are very simple. The glass is simple, but the tops are like coiled metal and wood. Um, yeah, there's rock. like iron, rock, uh, yarn is on one of them, and they are extremely expensive. They are about five hundred dollars. If you take it down, uh, it's about three hundred, maybe three fifty USD. Yes. Let's find out. Oh my God, that was not what I was expecting at ooh, all. Ooh. This is extore uh, parusom. So the rumato, uh, rumato. This is really wild. It's very sweet, but like smoky. It's got a pissy thing to it too. Ooh. That's really interesting. All right. I, I like how we're flipping over these bottles too. It's like put it back in the box. <laughs> put the monster back in the box. These are all quite they're kind of like childish in a way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like giving me like nursery nursery room. Like those That's like plastic the bottle thing. design. Too, the bottles yeah. are influencing me for sure. Oh my god, this is really unbelievable. It's like grease or something. Yeah. Oh. Very interesting. Slick. I've never heard of this brand before ever. Me, me neither. Me neither. Or is it me either? And then this brand is called Anam. And then these also have large rocks on the top this of them. This kind of has this has kind of an Ancre Noir vibe. Yeah. Yeah. This is a Rose Negra. <laughs> rose Negra. <laughs> Did you want to smell the Rose Negra? <laughs> yeah, sure. Candle, like yeah. not like a candle scent, but like the wax, the of wax a burning. Of the candle. Yeah. Wow! I just put the zoologist bee on. That is amazing. <laughs> Have you smelled bee before? Honey. It's honey, all right. Yeah. Play-Doh. <laughs> oh my god! You're right. It's exactly like Play-Doh. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I was one of those like horrible children that would like eat Play-Doh. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. I wrapped one, an ant in one before. I ate it. You <laughs> you wrapped an ant in Play-Doh and then ate the Play-Doh. This one's good too. This is a uh, Nasamato. Black Afghano. Well, or at least I mm. thought it was. It's all right. I, at least I smelled it before. It's a recognizable. Do you have the sensation when you're like smelling a lot of fragrances um, that they, you uh, become nose out? blind? Uh, um, I don't really think. This, okay, wait. I'm interested in the House of Oud. Yeah, these like also these have bottles. rocks on top of yeah. them. I guess that's a current perfume trend is just to put a rock on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Sometimes the bottle, generic. Sometimes the bottle's more interesting than the fragrance. Ooh. Mm, I, I kind of like this one. Pineapple. Here. That smells like a gummy bear. This does smell exactly like a gummy bear or like those like pineapple candies, like yeah. a, like a hard pineapple candy. My least favorite flavor. I I might pass out actually after all. You need a, a palate cleanser. Where's the coffee beans? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Eldo over here. Oh wow, yeah. Um, so I went to the the one they have in Ikebukuro and I smelled the Ghost in the Shell fragrance. Okay. There. I wonder if they have a uh, secretions here. labels I've never heard of before. I know. Yeah. But they're all vaguely French, you know, but... Oh, obviously. Are, are they Japanese? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, here, I'm looking at this one. This is BDK 
今度生活コスメ So, the head of CDG was a Japanese person. And then they have done collaborations like, with French. So, the one that you have, Monocle, is a collaboration with Monocle and CDG. All right, so there's quite a few here. I haven't smelled. Have you said any of these? Wait, I've smelled this, Jasmine. Cigarette. Is it? Jasmine cigarette? Yeah. Is it just like、It's, one of those naming conventions or is it really? I, I don't know. It's kind of purpley smelling to me. But I don't know if these cotton balls are really doing it justice. I keep, you know what I keep getting from like sniffing the cotton balls is、yeah. like, I keep getting like carnival fare, like、yeah. in a parking lot.、Yeah. From everything. Ah,、oh, there's the Ghost in the Shell one. It's kind of milky. Yeah. It's kind of like. You know when you get like a ball of mozzarella cheese and there's that water, that kind of watery. <laughs>、mm-hmm. Yeah. Milky water. It's not like milk, but it's. I really like, like it though. It's so. Because, okay, the idea is Opaque, like. Opaque, yeah. It's like a, the idea is like an android, right? Or like a, a sentient consciousness in a machine that bleeds. And it's milky like the alien.、Uh, what are those called? Replicants is Blade Runner.、Uh, synthetics. Yeah. There's a big nose in front of us. Hmm. This is.、Uh, Herman. Lots of French words I can't、Amez、read. Coates. Coates.、Mm, I kind of like this. Yeah, it's This one reminds me of my mother. Because it's kind of herbal. Yeah.、Mm, it's a little apothecary. Not an adjective, but I'll try anyway. What is this? She was an anomaly. I bet that's insufferable. That's just, that's just vinegar, straight up. Really? Yeah.、Mm. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of, but it's kind of sweet too. Yeah. Right? No, it's, it's not just straight up distilled vinegar, but. I was just expecting when you said it's just vinegar. <laughs> Okay, I'm curious about this brand over here called Crayon. They have kind of CDG style bottles. And obnoxious name, I see myself. But they're practically standing up. Passport Amour. Don't get it. These, these are all like、um, when you're trying to get the tax free、mm-hmm. gifts at, at the airport and、this、you need to pick up something quick. This is boldly titled Art Life. I hope it smells like piss.、Mm, I, no, you're exactly right. This is like the duty free. <laughs> art life, art pop. Unfortunately, not ad- adventurous enough to deserve <laughs> any of those oh, titles. Uh, oh, here you go. Here's Jack's favorite. Which is, what is it? Debaser. Oh, Debaser. No, it's his least favorite of all time. Oh, it's apocalyptic. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Strong melon.、Um, yeah, the, the yeah. fruit is deeply offensive. It's kind of got like,、uh, like chewed grass and melon. And... Wow, I understand why he hates it. Did, did me telling you that affect your opinion of it? No, no. I was, to be honest, I'd kind of be more inclined to like it if it's his least favorite ever. <laughs> What do you think about these bottles? 
Um, it kind of looks like the poopery you spray yeah, into the toilet. That's exactly you. correct. Yeah. <laughs> this brand is Curzon. Curzon. And they're, they have a lot of uh, kind of quirky Sally Rooney novel uh, <laughs> cover designs here. Le U. Le No. <laughs> <laughs> What is that? Uh, which one? Never mind. It's their ranking. Is there a diptyque around here? I was just thinking the same thing. There's one in um, Imote Sando, but I don't think that there's one here. Are you familiar with this brand? Laboratorial Alfativo. Alfativo. Okay. It's a little overwhelming. I need you. To, I need a picture of you in the same pose as, as this guy. <laughs> Is my face right? Yeah. <laughs> That's my. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know where I'd start with any of these. So I just won't at all. It's hard when you don't know the name because there's no jumping point. I yeah. Mean, I guess you could just pick a random one. But do we have to leave life up to chance like that? All right, here's one called New York. Bold. Oh, that's, see, that's something I can relate to. Yeah, yeah. See, that, that'll, that'll call you by the name. Does this smell like New York? No. I mean, it's got, it's got like a baby powder, Johnson & Johnson type of smell. <laughs> it's yeah. It smells like there's diaper no, formula. Yeah, there's not enough homeless uh, bio. Now, are you familiar with the Japanese fruit yuzu? I I am, but I'm not quite sure what it is because it's not a lemon, correct? That's right. It's not a lemon, but they like to put them in like the public bath water sometimes, and uh, they're very big. Yeah, they're huge. They they have it's like uh, uncanny valley lemon. Uncanny valley <laughs> lemon. Yeah, it's like wow, you're almost there, but it's. Something's off. Something is not quite right. Wonderful. I am curious. I didn't see these ones down here yeah, earlier. This one has even... I guess really this current perfume trend is just like throwing crap on top of your bottle. This one has like a whole drag outfit on top of it. What was the last one? Oh my god. You have to smell this. It smells like um, the hot fries. Yeah, so this is Unum Epicentoro. Epicentoro. Oh my god. Yeah, it smells like fake old food and tires. It's got that, like, kind of serrano pepper, uh, poblano pepper. The top of the bottle is a sculpture that just I looks I like... I like this one. I like it, but yeah. it's shocking. Don't you think? Yeah. This is when you're going to, uh, when you put on your perfume armor into battle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it looks like it, and it has this, like, big dangly tassel with more aluminum at the end. Here's Notre Dame, 15.4.2019. That's a big... Uh, no? Oh. Uh, gives me, like, a uh, airplane bathroom. This is actually smell. reminding me of something. I'm having a scent memory unlocked. It's, yeah, it smells like when I used to go to camp on that fucking airplane. Yeah. Oh, wow. These are really adventurous. 
recirculated air type. Of yeah. Ooh. Let's give some love to the one on the bottom shelf. Here. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> what is this one called? I don't know. It's a Tower T A U E R perfumes. Or I really feel like I'm not getting better at describing scent, but this reminds me of like um, like sex shops in Bend, Oregon. Because <laughs> it's kind of that like incense thing. I'm really, we're back to the zoologist. I mean, it is really entrancing, actually. I do agree that the designs of the bottles are really unfortunate and twee, but the fragrances are shocking. Yeah. Oh, he, or here? You're talking about the uh, the zoologist, uh, the zoologist yeah. bottles, yeah. Yeah. My God, T Rex is crazy. No, I know. I wish I could justify spending that much money on it. I mean, at least it's. I think it's been said before, but at least it's twee opposed to kind of lifeless, minimalist. Mm, I uh, agree. Faceless. But oh. Design. Have you smelled cow before? No, it smells like oud. It smells like the milky thing again. Oh. <laughs> That's crazy. This is that, even. That one made me gag. This is actually maybe the most <laughs> offensive one we've smelled today. I oh, like, I like how the the cow's wearing this sort of uh, motherly uh, old. I don't even know. Okay, how on? Uh, maidens thing. Can you imagine wearing this out? Oh, it's so wild. You'd like smell like a, like milk all day. Oh my god, I cannot believe that. But, yeah. I am obsessed with that's, it, to be honest, because it's so me, offensive. Yeah, no, I... Okay, let's try Snowy Owl. There are a few fragrances I gag at, but that's one of them. The, the, the title is correct. Yeah. I mean, it smells like you're in the dirt. Yeah, it smells like the the, the dirty trees. Yeah. Okay, have you smelled squid? Uh, squid. I kind of like it. It's do, kind of like... Do you eat squid? I do, absolutely. Yeah. Do you eat squid? No. Would you eat squid? No. Never? So no takoyaki for you? What about octopus? I was... I last Earlier this week, I tried uh, sashimi. And you, then it sent me to the pharmacy to pick up some Benadryl. You tried sashimi? Yeah. As in... For the first time. Yeah, pretty much. Wow, that's crazy. I eat that's I can like guzzle that stuff yeah. down, like funnel it into my mouth. Oh, we this is where we started and they were boring. Let's oh, incense. Oh yeah. Nicolet. Chante. <laughs> Just wet smelling. Just wet smelling. Mm? Oh, that's like candy. Ooh, I couldn't wear it. This is so interesting. I feel like every fragrance I have is like wearable, but today is one of my first experiences with stuff I would refuse to wear. Yeah. Well, what's your what's your goal when you wear a fragrance? Uh, it depends. Usually, I'm trying to cultivate a mood for the day. And create a string of strong memories, which is why, like, uh, when I wear like CDG Original, like, I think a whole year of my life is like contained in that fragrance, right? Yeah. So I really like that experience. Um, but then, of course, when I go to Nietzsche May, I will wear something like male and generic, like Burberry London for men or something, yeah. and that you know gives you the same compliment every time. So yeah. the guy I'm kind of seeing at the moment really likes that on me. So now I'm too afraid to wear anything else in front of him, except for Halston. 
uh, original or Z14? Z14? Yeah. Oh. I have Z14, uh. but it's just like, as Orton says, mop water. Uh, I don't pines. get the mop water. Yeah, it's 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 like it's like a cannonball of a fragrance. It yeah. is. It's yeah. intense. I get compliments on that a lot, though. Yeah. My sound. All right, so these are the top fragrances. Oh, okay. The ranking. So number one is Laboratorio Olfativo. I can't read fucking Italian. Need you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, you made the comment earlier about the light Japanese scent profile, and I think this That's would resonate with that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice, but it's like... It's like a, a ghost whispering. Yeah, it's a waft, not a not a wind. But you could see why it's number one here. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And not hu- number one. And not cow. Yeah. Where's cow? <laughs> I actually think like, I'm obsessed with cow. You I can't get set, it then. <laughs> not with the amount of money I got <laughs> in my wallet, but I, I will get cow. This is um, quite childish, I think. This is number two. It's um, Mason Mateen, and it's called Poon Poon. Poon poon. Hence the bottle design. Yeah. It smells like the uh, L'Oreal tear free uh, soap yeah. shampoo. And then over here we have some other ones. Essential parfums. Oh, uh, parfums. Antoine Maison Dieu. I like this. It's kind of, it's rosy. It's simple. Floral. It's kind of like a Dior Amour. Yeah. It's, it's fine. So, it's sort of nondescript. Yeah, it's fine. I'm waiting for something to shock me in here. This is a Chinese one, it seems. Nishane, uh, and it's called Wudong Cha. Also quite generic, but this one is a little bit more woodsy. Mm. That's interesting. You getting woodsy? You may missed it. There's like a bit of the... I mean, there's the citrus thing. Yeah, I guess woodsy isn't the right word for this, is it? Hmm. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, pleasant. That's <laughs> not the, cow. That's not, that's not, yeah. That's not the best description you get, you want when you, like, smell a fragrance. So. I mean, we're, I'm it's looking nice. At, it's nice. It's yeah, pleasant. Yeah. It's a swimming pool. This one is number seven. Mason Mateen. Waruni Waruni. You know, you don't really get a you don't really get spearmint from many fragrances. Is that spearmint? I'm getting a little of that. I'm getting swimming pool. I don't smell the chlorine though. Yeah, it's like the swimming pool without the chlorine and with spearmint. Yeah. <laughs> the spearmint pool. That's good. Maybe it's refreshing in that way. Ah, something. yeah. Maybe I'm just feeling refreshed and thinking of blue. Also, I get doxxed by the bottles every time. Like I can't. Once they market the image to me, that's how I, I start seeing it that way. Which is why Elizabeth Taylor Passion is like a purple fragrance to me. Oh, yeah. Even though it probably isn't... I don't know. We went back and forth about it, but I think it probably is a purple fragrance at the end of the day. Yeah. Ugh. Boring. Can we smell? Fig tea. Number six. Ocha. No thanks. <laughs> I like this bottle, actually. Please de Vogue by... Zone. It smells familiar. Can't place it though? No. It's kind of sweet. 
Mm, interesting. And we have one more we didn't smell over there. Oh, uh, yeah, number five, which is Mason Louis Marie, number four, uh, no, Bordeaux Barancourt. <laughs> this is the best one of the lot. Oh, you think? Yeah. Best for last. Mmm. It's got a little bit of that Santel 33 thing. Mmm. And then you get more of that kind of uh, book smelling. Mm-hmm. Cool. Very interesting. Well, no store did not disappoint. We definitely covered the gambit. We, we went through the whole store, and I will not stop thinking about cow, ever. Should we smell it one more time? Yeah, I want to smell cow one more time. Leave me when they see Yeah, I need, I need to get sick <laughs> once more. Oh, someone is smelling snow owl right now. I'll oh, wait. You should tell them that one's really good. It's really good. So the cycle they all. All right. My last contact with cow for today. <laughs> oh my god. It's still shocking. <laughs> I want to one more. Okay, goodbye cow. It's like spoiled ice cream. Yeah. Spoiled, then refrozen. Yeah, spoiled, refrozen. <laughs> eat it, throw it up, make a milkshake, <laughs> yeah. shit it out. Yeah. Wait, are there Chanel? You still blue, right? Oh, yeah, I have. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Are there any other men's Doesn't really look like it, does it? Oh, here There's comes the stuff. Over there, those to me? Yeah, I yeah. think on the other side. There. Yeah, yeah, let's okay. take a look. Coco. Oh, okay. Okay, here's a, they oh, got all the alerts. Yeah. And then the basics. Any, uh, no 19, though. Oh, I smelled that in the airport. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's quite icy. Yeah. Hmm. Well, so be it. I was really impressed by Coco. Oh, I love it. Uh, sort of generic. I don't really like this marketing they're doing here with like the the quirky no, no, France. No. Keep it, keep, keep it, it classy. classy. The inside of the store is fine, but this is unacceptable. Yeah, it's, it's sort of a fake uh, Roy Lichtenstein uh, looking. Yeah. Wham and wow and it's wham. Oh, this smells like cow. <laughs> is it really? Yes. Crystal <laughs> smells like cow. That's 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 wow. Oh my god. That's gonna haunt me. Oh dear. I'm gonna be thinking about cow for the rest of my life. Oh, I I'm just thinking if there's any delightful little I kinda wanna go to Starbucks. That's kind of a TPN thing to do, don't you right, think? Do Alright, let's go find a Starbucks. I think his order was a uh, some sort of Americana. You would remember that. Yeah. Well, now that we've a uh, thoroughly engaged our uh, perfume and, and curiosity. Was, and that was in accordance with the show because mm. a lot of the first half of the show is just pure sensory description and that definitely alienates a lot of people when they listen and they're just describing the scent that you know someone doesn't even have. It's so funny because I've heard this comment from so many people before that like they're like oh I used to skip the perfume section or something and I don't know maybe it was just because 
I kind of like had an idea of like uh, you know what Jack was up to, and I could kind of get the idea of his whole mission from the start. That that seemed abominable to me, and I can't even imagine someone doing that. No, I'm not. Oh, I, I thought they said escalator. This is not it. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave. The department store is beginning to curse me a little bit. The uh, decibel level changed. It did. We were very animated. Oh. Oh, I remember here because I saw that dress oh, and we, thought it was cute. Sorry, we were on. Uh, we were on mezzanine two. <laughs> we were on apologies. mezzanine two. Not. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah. So okay, the reason that I really wanted to talk about. TPN, aside from the fact that I think it is an independently beautiful piece of art and something very inspiring, yeah. is I think it's also probably the most misunderstood uh, like cultural product recently. Yeah. And it's quite disturbing to me that people don't get it, or maybe they just are only familiar um, from like Twitter or internet or something like that, and so they have like an idea of what the show is, but they don't actually over have any idea. So I'm really keen to talk about it, um, but before we get there, I wanted to pair this episode with the first fragrance covered on the show, yes. which is, of course... Do you know what? I think I know a cafe that we can smoke around here. And by we, I mean me, but... Yeah, um, I wanted to pair this with the first fragrance ever covered on the show, which I did not wear today because I wanted to enjoy the scents untampered at no shop. Yeah. However... We are talking about the one and only. <laughs> what is your experience with this? When did you get it first? Did you ever buy it? Yeah, of course I have. Of it. course. Yeah. Aromatics Elixir. I, I mean, forgot to say the name. <laughs> it's inevitable. You don't even need to say it at this point. Exactly. And, and if you don't have it, you need to go and buy it right now. So uh, I have the EDP, and I uh, got it just a few days ago, and I wore it to work. Oh, wow, yeah. And... I re-listened to the episode and heard all of the drama about how, how different many ways you can apply that fucking fragrance. You can spray it, walk through the mist, yeah. which is a classic. Um, but I wanted to kind of nuclear bomb myself with it. Of course. Because that's how I like to, of course, you know, give my first experience with a fragrance. So I did four sprays, uh, two on my neck and two on my wrists. Yeah. And oh my God, yeah. it is unbelievable. Yeah, of course. It is somehow both like... 70s and hippie but also like futurist and avant-garde uh, it's totally consuming yeah. and never goes away yeah. it burned into my desk actually wow. and so when I went to work the next day I felt like the papers that I had at my desk still smelled like it and I was really impressed I've, I've never entered the territory with the fragrance where Jack sometimes says when he over applies it it goes bad uh. I've, it's only been pure joy and pleasure with it really I also and have never over applied perfume I think yeah but maybe I'm a psychopath who has no like uh, no skills at editing like editing myself perhaps that might be it yeah okay I think it's around here but no absolutely it's so um, it, it's also quite like ancient in a way like do you know what I mean it feels yeah. like kind of like um, but like, in a different way than like Bijan might be right yeah so it was just really unique and I can understand why it's like such a seminal and important part of the, the TPN experience yeah and 
I wasn't around for the, the, the period of time where it was like a huge movement of like because season one uh-huh. wow season one talking about season one here we are oh, we were at Kohi Time Zoo oh cool and you can smoke in here oh great right. hi hi Hi, gozaimasu. This is great. Isn't this cute? Oh, sorry. That's all right. Uh, to describe the interior, it's uh, quite 70s, maybe 60s almost. Uh, lots of red in the room, uh, soft lighting, yes. and the wonderful lofting scent of cigarettes. There's a, there's a closeness and atmosphere that I feel like I hadn't really gotten so far. Being oh, yeah. In, being in Japan, it's felt very isolated, you know? Have you felt that way? Not socially, because I have my group of friends, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like we're in our little world when we're doing things. Absolutely. You know? I think that's kind of a common experience in Japan is, like, doing the... Uh the circuit when you like kind of like close off with your friends and then the rest of the world doesn't exist yeah. oh, I was what are you in the mood for um what do we have here we got uh blend coffee uh American kohi which is like americano iced yeah. coffee uh something called mina kohi uh yeah they do okay do you want hot or iced iced okay and for me I'm gonna get toast as well for 500 yen. <laughs> Tosto sando. That's like $3. Tamago, Okay. すいません。すいません。はい、あの、アイスお茶お願いします。1つ。で、あの、ブレンドコーヒー1つ。あとは パスタトーストはい、ジャムお願いします。ジャム。はい。そこ、ジャバストレートかレモンかミルクか。あ、do they also like it when you use grammar poorly. Yeah. And uh, one guy I dated like three years ago, he told me he was like, my favorite kind of person is like someone who speaks Japanese at like a 40%. Yeah. And I was like, what are you? I was like, oh, it's like, oh, it's the They gave us the oshi. Have you got these yet before? No, what is this? You haven't got oshibori before? No. So they give you these hot towels, yeah. and then you can clean your hands and your face off with them before you eat. Oh, great. Would you hold my mic while I... Of course, yes. It's nice and hot. Steaming. (laughs) What is this? I believe that is just sugar or salt. It's salt. What's with the coffee beans? Maybe it's just for fun. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're at a coffee shop. Could be we. 
face first, then hands, or hands first, then face? I think um, there is actually a proper order, and I don't know it, so I just start wiping it all over myself and seeing it until someone gets offended. Yeah, I don't, it's, it's so funny. I mean, we were only here for 10 days, and that was definitely not enough time. So much experience. I mean, that's still better than, you know, a lot of people have a go for, so... I think Anna's on the way here right now. She's on the plane. I'm, I'm allegedly meeting her and Dasha next week. Excellent. We haven't set the details down yet, so I don't know yet what we're going to do. But And this isn't going to come out for like probably a month and a half, so I'll have already met them, and the, the battle will have been won by then. Japanese people like to, or in culture, to sit and lounge and linger, or do they like to move on with what they're doing? That's a good question, and it depends on where you are. Um, they have something called goro goro, which means to like, like relax, like casually, and like not do anything and like lay around. Yeah. And uh, if you go somewhere where the point where the point is relaxing, then yes, but yeah. they don't like it if you stay at Starbucks for too long. No, I, yeah, especially with. I mean, things that you've probably, you've been here for how long? Five years. Yeah. So it's like the culture shock of being here for a few days mm -hmm. like that. There's no trash, you can't throw out your trash anywhere. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. that annoys everyone. You yeah. get used to it and you learn how to, like, figure out where to throw your shit away. Oh, of away. course, yeah. But it takes was, a while. I wasn't annoyed, but it was just interesting to think, like, how that could only work here. Oh, like, absolutely. I was just trying to think about in New York if they... They were like, you need to hold on to. People would just be throwing it on. They'd the be throwing it out their ship. Yeah. I was listening to like uh, I heard like someone who just like threw their like McDonald's out like the car window whenever they were done with it. I'm like, oh, that yeah. is crazy. I can't even picture doing stuff like that. I'm bad though because I'll still throw my cigarettes down like grates. Yeah. You can't take the American out of me even if you take me out of America. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's not that bad. It's still down the grate. I saw a sign once that was like, please don't throw your cigarettes down here because the rats will eat it. Oh. And I'm like, oh no. Poor rats. Yeah. Poor rat <laughs> my cigarette. I thought I was giving it a present. <laughs> That's a new fragrance. Uh, rat, rat and cigarette. <laughs> rat cigarette butt. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, as you mentioned, you got into TPN uh, because it was kind of the only thing to do with art that uh, was singing to your soul. Yeah, of course. And you listened in the intended order as well from... I have, yeah. yeah. I'm not all the way caught up of the past probably like three or four because I've just been, my head's been preparing for this trip. Yeah, I'm currently one behind. Yeah. So. It's actually kind of fun to have a backlog mm. and just plow through them and intended to be enjoyed if you're doing chores, if you're traveling, if you're, it's like, yeah, adds to the activity of, have you ever sat and like listened purely? So, um, I did to one episode. Yeah. I listened to half of it sitting like in one place just listening. Yeah. And that was the um, second half of the Hellbent for Leather episode. Yeah. So I listened to the first half while I was walking and it really disturbed me and I had to like stop. And so then the next day I sat and listened to the whole thing and it was, you know, riveting enough that you can do that. And that's very rare for most podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you have this other stimulation of what what else you're doing. Do you have this experience? Um, I feel like fragrance itself. TPN has like a quality of like latching onto your brain. 
so you can remember really easily where you were when you were listening to what episode. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about this, and I remember, I think your first appearance, you talked about you being on, like, the subway uh-huh. and how you listened to TPN. Yeah. It's the same thing. I mean, I mean, it brings you back like a fragrance can to where you were at that time and how you were. Because, I mean, look, t- TPN, it, it's why it's described as a universe is because it's not... Like, it's so multifaceted in that way. Yeah. Like, there's a form, but it also encompasses, like, the good and bad times that, you know, if you're if you're calling Jack the protagonist, like, in a soap opera, you know, all of the things that he's experiencing, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what is most appealing about it. It starts, the first season um, is fascinating because it's probably, like, the concept at its, like, most pure. Pure, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hi. Isn't this quaint? Yeah, I gotta take a picture of it. The butter toast is so charming. Texture. Absolutely. Fluffy, yeah. Uh, it's fua fua. That's what it's called. That's what like fluffy is. Please treat yourself to one if you sure. feel so inclined. Can I just rip it apart? Uh, looks like you uh, will or just. Should I use my hand? I think you'll eat it with your hands. <laughs> and there's a, a little knife for the jam if you feel so inclined. I'm gonna go pure. It, I'm I'm assuming it's gonna be sweet. Correct? No. Maybe a little bit. Savory. Yeah, it's just white bread. Yeah, it's just white bread. <laughs> Amazing. I don't think I've just had, like, just bread and toast in forever. I don't have a toaster in my house anymore. Why not? I haven't bought one. When did you move? I moved to Tokyo about two years ago. So I haven't had a toaster for two years. And how have you been making do? I guess I just don't toast things. I have do a microwave. Do you eat out a lot? Or you eat I do eat out a lot. When I was working on my fitness or whatever, I would, like, do meal prep, but I can't be fucked now. I'm too busy. I didn't understand when people would say I'm too busy, but now I understand. I mean, living in a city like Tokyo or New York will fucking do it to you as well. I mean, I don't know about you, but every single day that I have, like, my life is, like, plotted. Because I, I know where I have to be somewhere, yeah. and I, I know how long it's going to take me on the train to get there, etc., etc. Do you have, like, a, a routine? No. I go to work. Yeah. I used to have a routine when I was living in the countryside. I would always write when I got home. That's or I, nice. I would wake up in the morning and write before I went to work. Yeah. I don't do any of that now at all. Now I write it's on a whim. Flows, yeah. yeah. I'd like to get my life a little bit more organized. We'd, but all, we'd all like that's so Japanese. To have your life organized? Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. Can I, I just want to just talk about some of the things I've noticed. That please, please. It's so amazing to me is the um, how in Japan it's like outdoors is indoors at the same time. Mm. Like there's no barrier between the street and like entering where you're. It just feels like it's all one continuous motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's because the, the the outside is so curated as well. Yeah. Like 
even when you go to like uh, like temples and have you been to any temples or shrines or anything yet? Yeah. Yeah. Those are outdoors, but they feel deeply indoors, like yeah. you said, because they're so curated and manicured. There's just so like this is such a high trust society. Mm. Like you can walk on the street and people just like leave their bike unlocked. Mm. It's amazing. I, I don't know. You will get your bike stolen here. Yeah. I got mine. The cops found it in a river. Oh wow. They actually tracked it? <laughs> they found it. They're like, you found your bike. It was in a river. I was like, oh, okay, haha. <laughs> unusable. Oh, completely unusable. I feel like... There's just a lot to take in. It is. It's overwhelming, isn't it? But why I thought about this is because mm. you're talking about life organization. Mm. And you spoke about before how everything, it's like everything is compact, mm. but in America, when it's like that, it feels really cramped, but here it feels like an efficient use of space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the cars have that snubby nose that oh, you yeah. can park in a spot that you wouldn't normally Aren't the cars able. funny here? Yeah, of course, yeah. They're like square. There was some discourse on Twitter about the... Uh, Japanese trucks versus like a Ford F one fifty. Oh yeah, yeah. The ones with the beds in them are so they're so cute. Yeah. But they were like, why can't you know? Why do you need a F one fifty? For because in Japan they can lug the same stuff in a small truck. Yep. But I just think it's this place is just like an anomaly to me. I don't know. I don't get it either. Yeah. It's gonna be a mystery property for the rest of my life that yeah. I will never stop trying to understand in yeah. more detail. But it's kind of funny thinking about, like, organizing one's life and having it, like, set up or whatever. It's very interesting to me that, like, TPN kind of has that quality where, because it is the weekly soap opera and the narrative, it kind of, by being released every, you know, however often, it does create, like, an organizational, like, backlog. And and it's in a way that I think doesn't happen on every podcast. Like, Red Scare is famous kind of for keeping up that, like, personal you know, soap opera drama narrative every week. Um, but outside of, like, Red Scare and TPN, there are very few shows that I think successfully accomplish that. And I don't know what the quality that's different is, but I think it might just be that Jack doesn't think about it too much when it comes to, like, creating a narrative or something like that. It comes very naturalistically. Yeah, of course. I mean, he has this philosophy that... Uh, me and my friends sort of detail this. You ever heard the phrase, um, like, send it? Yeah. I feel like Jack, to a degree, he has that life philosophy where he doesn't overthink and he's just like, just fucking send it and get it out there. Absolutely. Um, and he be- he becomes that sort of anchor to, like, um, like the sun in this universe mm-hmm. to, like, a lot of people. Yeah. That he's always going to be there. Like like uh, fucking like it's the Fountainhead or like Atlas Shrugged or something mm-hmm. like that. he's always gonna be working he's not gonna stop yeah and that's why it hurts to see him down sometimes because we're all looking to him to be like this guy is forging the way for all of us <laughs> to like fucking exist really it's fascinating I mean if we want to start at the beginning season one is kind of like the purest I think like um, iteration of like the show's mission at first because it uh, though it got a lot of attention quite quickly, 
the first like 20, 22 episodes or so, it's just Jack and his brother Orton, and they go through a film or a piece of art, a podcast, and they pair it with a fragrance, as is uh, well documented. But there's a really magical quality to those first like 20 episodes, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. There's sort of a unself-awareness about where it was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. And the audio was really interesting, too. Yeah. Because at that time, it was being done entirely on, like, Apple... Apple microphones. Apple microphone, yeah. earpod, earpods. Yeah, they're earpods. Earpods are in... But these were not... These are these called were earbuds. Yeah. I was trying to remember the word, but my Zoomer brain melted <laughs> earpods into something else. But no, yeah, it's, a, it's really fascinating. And I remember, like... The kind of DIY, the kind of like almost like punk rock feel of it. It has like a color to it. Like it's very black. The first season. Yeah, of course. It's like black and smoky. Yeah. And uh, Orton and Jack have a really interesting rapport with each other during that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's one of the qualities is that I think Jack is so fiercely articulate. Like he's such. Yeah, he's, and and Orton the opposite. And it's funny. Well, <laughs> it's always funny because I always thought that he was articulate in his own way, yeah. right? And he, whenever he spoke, like, he would come with a comment that was, like, completely unexpected and something I wouldn't think of. And then that would stick with me quite a bit. Yeah. But Jack is a tour de force from the very first episode. Yeah. Not to sound rude, but he reminds me of Barbara Streisand in, like, the way that she was, like, the Jewish alien. Like, he is, like, such an unbelievably, like, knowledgeable and, like well-thought-out person that he's, like, the gay alien. I'm like, I didn't know this existed. I feel like I've had a close encounter. Yeah. Yeah. And, but that's why I think his philosophy of sending it uh-huh. works for him because he has such, like, a encyclopedic knowledge. Encyclopedic's, like, an understatement. But, yeah. Uh, that he has one life experience, mm. that, which is super important. And rare. And, yeah. He, life experience, and he's well-read, yes. and he's well-versed in cinema, and other forms of art, and he's just a good speaker and writer. Absolutely. So this is like uh, like his artillery at disposal for whatever... And, you know, it's very Pollyann in that way, or like maybe Randian if people want to be didactic, but um, it's also... There's a sort of mystery to season one and stuff is that there are times that he would explicate his feelings uh-huh. you know maybe about women or about <laughs> stuff like that but then other times he would be sort of vague in like I thought the first season of the show that's maybe why it gives me that black smoky quality yeah. is because it is so mysterious Yeah. and you know I barely knew anything about Jack except from you know what I had spoken to him about on the Mishima episode yeah. and so then when I went back and started like hearing it you know, I was always, I kept like coming up with these questions and I have the opposite approach to podcasting where there is not one mystery about me whatsoever. Yeah. I say everything too much. Too, too much, yeah. Yeah. So it's the restraint that's also exercised in the show is quite impressive. I mean, he is always keeping focus to the topic. Mm. I mean, some of the like fun of TPN for those who might not have smelled the fragrance or watched the media or whatever oh. is... And especially early on, because it had that hard sort of right wing bent to it, right. was like hearing him and his guests just fucking go off Ooh. about how they really felt about whatever, you know. Yeah. And and at times like early season when uh, uh, Taiyi came on. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, and it, I mean I remember listening to those episodes and I was like, I was shocked. I was shocked, and I was becoming racist after. <laughs> I was 
it, okay, to say the phrase red pill is like so like overused. To me, I always felt it was like an activation. I feel like he like pressed a button with that first season of things that I had always like privately whispered to myself and then kind of dismissed. Yeah. And then hearing him say some of it out loud, you know, it's pressing that button down and then it you know activates a. Uh, some way of thinking that you didn't have access before. It is mind expanding in that way. Yeah. But what's so interesting about that first run is uh, it that was like, during like the peak of like Bernie leftism as well. Like, it had probably yeah. never been worse. Because what year did it start? 2018? 17? 19? 18? I think it's 18. Yeah. I think so too. Could be wrong. Dunno. I don't know. Yeah. But it is. Uh, the, the narrative starts taking shape with the appearance of Tai E, for sure. Yeah. Because they had covered him in an episode previously, yes. and then he started gradually becoming a very frequent guest of the show. Of course, yeah. Yeah. And they were working toward him becoming uh, the third voice mm. of the show, but then there was a falling out, from what I understand. Well, it's fascinating because when you are... When you start... When these characters are coming in in the first seasons and then they'll linger for quite a while some of them and so it definitely has that narrative force behind it by just including those same voices for several weeks in a row and then you start getting like these like like leap motifs and and it's completely unintentional it just happens but like uh, when Tai E will like ramble on for like sometimes 15-20 minutes at a time uh, and at first it's like kind of like dramatic and interesting and then it becomes you start like noticing like tensions and It's by the end of that season, he has become, for the first time in podcasting history, he is the only person that's been an antagonist on a podcast. Yeah, it, it was unbelievable when listening to those that Twin Peaks episode that he was on when he was just like shitting on it the whole time, and um, I just could not like believe. I'm like, oh my god, he's like literally a character. Yeah, and it's hard. To, when I was first listening to it, I have like memories of like going to like the, the bank and listening to that Twin Peaks episode, and I was just like, just in complete and utter awe that even though these are like real people talking, and it's easy to forget that they come across like as like fully formed like literary fixtures. Of course, yeah. I don't remember though, like the tensions being that explicit mm. between them on that episode, but I just remember there were disagreements. And then by the end of it, it was just like, all right, let's agree to disagree and move on. Yeah, well, it was interesting because that's also when another TPM B character appears, which is Jugs. Yeah. And I remember the tension became obvious to me on that first Twin Peaks episode when it was like her just like literally like they like being like, you don't have any fucking idea what you're talking about. And then it was like awkward for like three but seconds that, or something. That was because I never really liked Jugs. Never. It was oh, interesting. She was just always sort of the annoying third voice. Uh huh. Would kind of just like throw an opinion, and it was very like pick me sounding. Mm-hmm. So then on that episode, I just thought it was funny because I found her more likable because she was just telling Taiyi to like shut the fuck up, basically. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then eventually she got written out of the plot. Well, that's the thing is, is that it's like perfectly like Twin Peaks. And I think about it every time. It's just like the Tulpas like getting zapped back into the you know into the Black Lodge and like going up in smoke with a yeah. sound effect, and that also creates a mystery and it's like fascinating. And of course, they eventually go on to like say what happened in the pretty you know explicit detail. Yeah. But for the time being, I mean, it was riveting, really, really fascinating. Did you listen at the time or Mm-mm. after? Yeah. 
I, I started listening in 2020. 20? I think so. Yeah, I was 21. I finished it all within a year or so. Did you start in order? Mm, so, at first I listened to a few random episodes, yeah. and then when I kind of got the picture, I you went back that, and started, yeah. yeah. I was sort of, I bounced around, and then I would listen to, like, whatever the most current thing was. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, last year I decided, okay, I need to, let me go in order. Yeah. Uh, and then I finished that in, like, January. Mm -hmm. And there was that, like, uh... It was like that sense of accomplishment, but then it was also like, the fuck do I do now? I know, I felt exactly the same way. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about like the the Republican um, and like very like conservative, I guess. I don't really like that phrase anymore, but like yeah. right wing, I'm using air quotes. Because it was pretty shocking for me. I was still pretty lived out at the time. Yeah. But because, I don't know, Jack is so compelling in the art that they're talking about. Yeah. Is art that I had wanted to talk about and had been like shit on for bringing up before, so I felt like an, an immediate solidarity with him. And it's funny because like the you know the misogyny or like the kind of like resentment about like female bosses and uh, women's role in society, it's all completely right. Yeah. And it was so shocking to hear it like said straight up. Straight up. Yeah. And I was especially scandalized uh, the, for the dress to kill episode. Um, I think that was season one, right? Yeah. Maybe season two, I don't know. But in any case, I was really, really scandalized by it because I uh, I could not believe someone could say something about the holy saints of trans people. Oh, wait, was that the Teddy DeShipper episode? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And he's brilliant anyway. I th he's funny. Yeah, he was And he's very intelligent. Yeah. I mean, some of that and you and Alec, Yeah. it's like... You all have that uh, deliberate, deliberately choosing the words that you're going to use, and especially Jack, uh, when he's able to like just use a certain word that completely encapsulates uh -huh. like what you're thinking about. But the dress to kill episode, I mean, classic. Yeah, that was that was mind expanding. Honestly, I like. I remember he always talks about, like, uh, D.H. Lawrence, like, find a new way, woman in love, yeah. like, that being one of his main, like, uh, artistic influences. influences. I would say, I guess, I mean, he, he says safe. Yeah, of course. It, like, oscillates. Because Jack has that, like, hyperbolic way of speaking sometimes where he goes, this is the... Yeah, it's all homosexual si men do. Yeah, it's, like, single most important. Yeah. Because it could be gone with the wind, it could be safe. It, it could, could be, be Titanic. Yeah, it could be Titanic. Yeah. yeah it could be... But they all are at the same time as no, well. No, of course. But yeah. and, and that's his way of interpreting the world is that he doesn't have that sort of ranking, like... Uh, letterbox that's a, mindset. That's a, yeah, letterbox straight man, Anthony Fantano. Uh, yeah. Like, let's give a numerical... Light seven. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It, yeah it's, I like, it, it's like a sort of multi, multiverse, multi-timeline uh -huh. way of experiencing the world. And that's the thing. It's like there's that maximalist sort of mm -hmm. um, especially early on he really kind of drove that home to people about yeah. listening in order and I mean obviously some of it's unrealistic of course you know I mean, 
you can't have read every piece of media, watched every smelled movie, everything. smelled everything. It's a library. It's a lesson. Yeah, of and in the same, you know, he, but like, it's, a, it's aspirational. In that's that, right. In that Randian sort of way, and it is aspirational, and it is, um, you know. Lately, he's been kind of describing it as like a, this is like an academic experience. Like this is like yeah, edgy. yeah. He wants to be a uh, English teacher. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> and he's a, he's a wonderful one. No, of course, yeah. Because I feel like also when you like do like English lit courses, you don't read everything. You yeah. like read what you have to read. Yeah. You know, so. But but, if, but to come to class every week, be yeah. like we all. I, I mean, there's like. It's sort of uh, melancholic to think about when, because you you know you went to grad school, correct? Or, no, no, you didn't. Just undergrad. Undergrad, yeah, same here. But when you graduate, especially from college, mm-hmm. and you had that community of people, then you all talked about uh, literature, photography, right. whatever, and then you leave, and then you're just and then completely, it's gone. Yeah, and 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 it's also interesting about school because there's no. Nobody's like pointing a gun to your head saying you have to mm-hmm. read this. It's for the grade. So it's kind of like a imaginary, it's like a game or like an environment that you're thrown into, we all agree to. Yeah. So same thing. It's like people all just like spontaneously want to together listen, read, let smell. Mm have that communal service. Sort of well, it's wonderful that that community exists and I think one of the reasons that TPN like really became the success that it is now is yeah. because he fundamentally understood kind of like that there is like a sensitive demographic of like conservative men who like have opinions about like media and art and yeah. culture and, and want to talk and think about it but the right is so dead when it comes to this kind of thing most of the time that they are just shutting him I would I would I would say though after like season I can't really say too much about season five uh, but like at least after season four it feels like oh hi it feels like we Jack is I don't even know how to describe him politically or culturally if you put him on an axis because it was like here and back and there again and not so it's like especially after the um, born this way uh, yes you know it's like <laughs> we went it went from like and uh, I forgot who said this on a recent episode about being oh it was like uh, Reagan about, uh, about being like a pick me straight now yeah. so it was like first being a pick me gay for the right wing straight guys uh-huh. and then it got to a point where it's like, yeah, we, we don't like the dirtbag left, we don't like the libs, but I also don't like homophobia. I yeah. also don't... And Jack's always been that way. Yeah, There's he, always been confusion he, about, and like... It's, it's actually wild. His, like, beliefs and things are steadfast and true. No, it's and been the same. It's he, been the he same. doesn't change. Yeah. Yeah, because... I mean... I, the only reason I even wanted to bring this up is because I think it's, like, it's amazing that, you know, that group of men, like, they, they obviously felt, like, a lack in their spirit. Yeah. And he... Not that he identified it, because I know he's doing it for, like, himself, but... Yeah. It resonated with people, and it really created like a major cultural shift where, like, all of a sudden, people who would have maybe never thought or talked about these things or didn't have a place to like consider them with other people, yeah. a whole like online like universe was built for yes, it. Yes, of course, and that's beautiful. Yeah, and the offspring that it produced too. Oh yeah, I mean, how many spin-off podcasts at TPN are there now? Yeah, I know. I started mine before I yeah. listened to TPN. Yeah, so of course. Yeah, I'm a light spin-off. But you were influenced. Of oh, course, of course. Yeah. No, I mean. To say that I was influenced by TPN is an understatement. I mean, I blatantly ripped off of it, um, and proudly so. Yeah. I was so 
ありがとうございます。I was so amazed by Orton's like audio editing in the、uh, course, first few seasons, the interludes, and I have always like been interested in like that kind of like a gross digital collage, like breaking apart. And、yeah. so when I saw someone else had the courage to do something like that, I was like, oh, oh I can do that too.、Yeah. And you released your like album recently on po- through podcasts. Yeah, I put my little EP out. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I've always thought about that too, just as a medium that、mm. because it's totally unmolested by copyright as well. Yeah, for yeah, the time being. For yeah. Time being, yeah. Not, I, I th- my my feeling is that Spotify is about to start becoming bad about it. Really. Yeah,、soon. because I, I I they're my provider of、uh, uh-huh. anchor or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, that's about to change soon because they are now using AI to make、uh, previews. I hate it. I think about it. Gay eye. <laughs> But they have this AI like making previews that like will like put quotes in from the show, and I'm like, oh my god, the second they hear me、no. saying like, tranny or something, it's yeah, over.、Oh、and the、god. AI already can identify when something is bad about COVID and put that、oh、the cursed、god. blue logo on there. I you know. This is a tangent, but I haven't been here. I haven't had to put on a mask once or anything. Oh, masking、great. is like kind of ending now. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's finally. Yeah, it's been a long time coming, but they finally have started chilling the fuck out about、yeah. it. People still wear it on trains a lot, but I was like out at a like a, a Starbucks or something last week, a gay Starbucks, and there was <laughs> not one. Aren't、person. they all gay? No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Gay Starbucks is when you're gay and you go to Starbucks. Okay, yeah, it's very、enough. important. I'm doing、fair、an episode、enough. about it this season. Okay, it's essential. Gay Starbucks. The, there are many different、um, because TPN, like we could have had the timeline where we went to Starbucks. That's yeah, yeah, TPN. Yeah. This is totally TPN here. Absolutely. Sort of warm cig- smoking cigarettes, fuck the smoking bans. Smoking、know? indoors. I love these women next to us too. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I'm glad that. I'm really glad that the podcast was like,、uh, you know, right wing in the way that it was. Of course, yeah. Seasons, because not only did it change the way I thought about about a lot of things, but、yeah. it also like made like people who maybe hadn't been interested in art like big connoisseurs after that,、yeah. and it made like communal conversation around fucking D. H. Lawrence. I had never had a friend in my entire life who had read like The Rainbow and Women in Love,、yeah. and so when I just like saw someone talking about that, it like. I was like, oh my god, someone else like me exists. Well, what Jack was be- always been able to do is take media through his lens and like reframe, re-narrativeize、mm. it, and things that before might have been, especially to you know right wingers, quote unquote,、yeah. off limits. Like、uh, you know, more obviously, girls from Lena Dunham. Oh, I mean, he was almost entirely responsible. For no,、this. of course. Yeah. No, he is. Yeah. That, Absolutely. Yeah. And he was the only one who said it. And、uh, you still—that is a conversation that will never end. Even though girls is having its renaissance, like again, yeah, again, yeah. there are there are still people who cannot be convinced of Lena Dunham. And I just send them that episode every time. Oh yeah, of course. It's genius. That one had same name on it. It did.、Yeah. I don't remember the name of the episode. My girlfriend just watched、uh, Girls again, and. I mean, for us, you know, we're、yeah. we're living in Brooklyn, and it's like, like, oh my god, that's that's us, you know, it's us up there. <laughs> I'm、um, almost done with my rewatch of it right now. I'm on、yeah. season five. Yeah. Yeah, and it's oh my god, it's more prescient, and I like getting older with it too. Yeah. Because I'm 26 now. I'm like one year. 26. Yeah, I'm turning 27 this year though. No, you're young. For now. I'm 24. You're very young. No, we're the same. We're basically the same. Yeah, well, but it's different. <laughs> Well, we're both working and not in college, so that's adult enough for me. 
cheers to that. Mm. Working. Working. I'm so not ready to go home and sit at my stupid fucking desk for eight hours. Oh, God, I mean, I think about the, the horror stories of, like, the fur babies and the whole plot line of Jack working as the... What is it called? Concierge? Yeah, hotel concierge. I was saying, mom. I mean, that was just unbelievable. And it really resonated with me because I felt so much, like, hatred for my job and everything. But it was never, like, kind of the the silly leftist, like, we're going to make a commune thing. It was always, like... unionized or something. Yeah, it was always, like, disciplined stoicism um, met with, like, his common emotionality. Yeah. Still sucks to work. No, I know. How, How does that work? You know, I mean... How is the, like, Patreon, uh, has it been funding you in any way? Or? Yeah, I make money off of it. Yeah. And I would like to make more, please. <laughs> you gotta I'm up- looking straight into the mic right now. I'm looking straight <laughs> into your eyes. I really would like it if you gave me more money so I can quit my job. <laughs> I mean, Jack did it. I mean, lots of people have done it. Um, Barrett has done it. Yeah. Obviously, Anna and Josh are, but, I mean, that's not really surprising. Yeah. Um... Sorry, I was just checking because you have to leave. I think at seven thirty is when your train is to go to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We've got time. We have plenty of time. We can go for a walk here soon too. Okay, I'm gonna have some more water. But yeah, that's kind of the the bulk of season one. Uh, season two is where uh, Jugs is out in full force. And I'm glad you don't like her. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was just thought she sometimes had maybe something interesting to say. I'm sorry I can't recall like specific details oh, no, because you know it, that's not what the that's not what the show's about. It's no, about no. the general broad strokes. Oh, of course, anyway. yeah. I mean, yeah. and the things I do remember prescient phrases but oh, yeah. like Jack Jack would say just let it wash over you mm-hmm. just watch just turn on the movie and fucking stare at it mm. and experience it absolutely and that's the same thing with the show yeah I mean I when I finished uh, I, I think someone had said to me okay you know congrats but uh, now time for your second re-listen you know <laughs> oh I know I, I've done it's sort of daunting though it is because daunting it, to start it was again. like I mean there are two over 200 episodes there was Less than a hundred when I started. So there are over two hundred episodes, and let's say on average they're like two hours, and sometimes eight hours, mm. sometimes three hours. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be like fucking five hundred hours. Oh, easily, yeah. yeah. I can't even believe I listened to most, like I think all of it, like in the year that oh, I did. Of course, yeah. yeah. What but were you doing at the time? That's when I was living in the countryside, so I used to okay, go for walks. So, yeah, you could yeah. do that. I used to go for walks, and I had a really long commute in the morning. It was like an hour every yeah. day, so I was. That's the best time. Yeah. Yeah. And now I like to read on the train, so I listen to like my podcast at work and like at home yeah. or something. But um, yeah, I used to all the time. Uh, I used to also my, my boyfriend at the time was living in a different city that was an hour and a half on the train Yeah. so I'd listen to a ton then you know and there was one there and then one back for work the next yeah. day or, no well, I mean it was a grind it's yeah. like it's like a video you know but it's like Jack would say it's, it's like, like exciting an, it's like a JRPG yeah, you're, you're just trying grinding. to yeah <laughs> exactly but isn't it exciting when like that's the, the great thing about this like huge maximalist long form like narrative is that like it's exciting to make progress on it and it feels like yeah. it feels satisfying but that definitely appeals to the male brain oh. of, of like you know playing a game and trying to unlock everything it's like yeah. I ain't gotta what cause I mean I I did not skip anything no even at times like sometimes I'd stop halfway through I'd be busy and I'd yeah. pick it up and it'd feel like a fucking trudge I was like uh. I cannot listen I would just be like I have to I have to keep listening you know, I have to <laughs> 
There were t- okay, there was once I skipped an episode and then I felt guilty and went back and went like a back, day yeah. later. I skipped um, a Taiyi episode because he was pissing me off. Oh, yeah. I was like, I can't take it anymore. I was like, I felt sick. I was like, I can't, I can't hear this anymore. Who am I? His his blog is really... Uh, oh, it's I read, wonderful. It was really exciting to read. I mean, especially because he's just... Those sort of figures... No, it's gone now. No, oh, really? Yeah, it's... it's Archived it's at all, or no? Washed away like tears in the rain. Maybe it might be on some internet or way back yeah, machine, Yeah, I mean... Uh, I'm wearing my uh, Lost in Translation shirt today. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. I need. I didn't get a picture in the Shibuya crossing, but I did. Oh, we'll get something of you in Shinjuku then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, he wrote a pretty uh, scathing review of Lost in Translation. And, uh, uh, which I love. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, he's just an interesting figure to hear. Mm. Um, and I think there's that initial, especially about any media that you like, yeah. when you have that sort of shocking, when there's that shock factor that perplex, you know, you're perplexed. Um, I mean, TPN, of course, mm. reading some of the blogs from Taiyi. Yeah. That's like when you get to that territory and you start to expand your, it's kind of scary. It's like it is scary. You're looking into the abyss, you're like, wow, I've never... I never encountered something like recently. I've listened to because of your episode of uh, York. Oh, uh, Are you season listening one. To Utopia? Oh, season one. Yeah, okay. season one. Oh. Back. I'm still. I because my my whole thing. I was like, oh, I gotta listen to TPN in order. Then I'll start. So then I started your podcast. So. I'm working my way through. I think it's worth listening to my podcast in order, but I would it's not, not say it's, it's, cri- it's critical. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even say it's critical anymore. Um, Jack and I are both like hesitant because we both had an experience listening to a certain podcast all the way through and uh, becoming resentful of it towards the end. So, not to name names. It's okay. <laughs> the person who does the podcast doesn't listen to mine. I'm certain, okay. so it's quite all right. This is he a, no? Oh, never mind. <laughs> I'm thinking of a different person. Huh? Oh, oh, mm. Mm. mixed feelings. Tell me about it. But yeah. I, I just sorry. I have a, a. I thought you were talking about somebody else, and I had a comment burned in my head that, that you were you said once about a certain nebulous egg. Oh, <laughs> I can guarantee you, I have listened to uh, maybe three episodes of that. That nebulous egg um, podcast is probably impossible to listen to front to back. No, no, no. They eat too much cereal and stuff on it. <laughs> this is a vibe. I uh, know, isn't it lovely? With the jazz, yeah. Yeah, I love this spot. Do you like jazz? Um, I wish I liked it more than I do. Yeah. I kind of have drama about it. Trauma. Really? Yeah, because I was in middle school. I was in the jazz band, which is like the competitive like band thing, yeah. and I played trumpet. And I had like a whiplash teacher who like threw my trumpet at me oh, and Jesus. made me yeah. hate jazz after that because he loved it. And uh, yeah. we competed at Reno and like did pretty good, but not that well. We got like second place or something. Okay. And he like screamed at us and he hit a girl. Oh my god! Yeah. And then he got found out for uh, cheating on uh, his wife. And I told my parents, I don't want to do band anymore. Unsurprisingly. But then you became the uh, the king of the thespian club. You remember that? Yeah. That's crazy. I don't even remember, remember when I talked about that. That's funny. Yeah, it was early on. You mentioned yeah. it like a few times, yeah. Yeah, I was president of the Thespian Club. <laughs> Troop number 1799. <laughs> I, I would like to maybe visit the Northwest sometime. It's great. I mean, I don't know. I haven't been there in five years, so. Yeah, I know. I don't even know what America's like anymore. My only impression of it is what I get from Twitter and podcasts, so sometimes not the best impression. Yeah, you don't. 
And then I become a little theatrical about my uh, anger towards it from time no, to time. Excuse it's me. It's fun. It's fun. There, there needs to be that critical. We can, we can handle it. We're tough, you know. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate your thick skin. <laughs> I like sometimes when I see things that happen, you know, because you are, you know, super pointed point of view. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna just say, I, I don't know how you're like. Uh, so I'm, I'm very inarticulate, please, please. but. I don't know how you are able to, like, start shit with people. Like, I am so afraid of that. I'm so afraid of, like, people who, like, I think we're all friends, then they're differing opinions, and then you're just going to, like, say what you think is the right thing. The only thing that is unforgivable towards me is disloyalty and homophobia. Yeah. If I... I mean, uh, yeah, everything else is sort of inconsequential. If it's yeah. about media or if it's about whatever. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. Although I will get irritated about some media things quite easily. Yeah. But With I... have no low tolerance for opinion about... Excellent. I really hate bad Evangelion opinions. Yeah. That really makes me sick. And I really don't like when people who don't know what they're talking about talk about it as well. Yeah. It's only because I have a very deep private relationship with Evangelion that changed my entire life. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like someone's like molesting my baby in front of my eyes. Yeah, it doesn't need it to does be not sick. belong to me, and the point of Evangelion is to not feel that attached to it. Yeah, I failed that. Asuka is inside of my soul, <laughs> and when people say her name wrong as well, yeah. oh, I have to like bite my tongue. I do not correct people on it. Asuka? If someone says, a lot of people say Asuka. Asuka. It's not Asuka. 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 It looks Asuka. like it might be Asuka. No, yeah. But no. I was definitely really surprised. I thought at times maybe people's view from America of Japan mm. was a little too caricature-esque or stereotypical, yeah. being like, wow, it's really, you know, the anime culture. Right. Stuff. But it really is. I mean, uh, at least to my tourist eye, like, to go on the subway and to see advertisements for that, it's pretty incredible to Absolutely. Me. Yeah. The thing is, I think there's, like, a middle ground between, like, the American perception of Japan and then, like, the reality of it. Yeah. It's, like, somewhere right in the middle, I feel like. It's, like, you have to get the lost in translation, like, Sir, boldness yeah. and um, broad stroke. But there is also a lovely specificity that you can only get after being here for long enough. Yeah, of course. That's what I was sort of mentioning at the beginning about the different levels. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, I don't really know much about history. Right. Or there's not... Am I, I'm not wrong. There's not, like, a huge religious sort of force here or... There are Buddhists, but yeah. it's... There's, like, cultural religion. Yeah. Like, people do, like, spiritual rites, but people are very pagan here and do not yeah, really have a exactly, belief in Yeah, exactly, yeah. Certainly not a Christian god. And the ones who do are weird. Yeah. Yeah, the Catholics and Christians here are like spooky people, and they take um, they take their Christian names and will refer to themselves that way. Yeah. So I worked with like a like a sadhical, that's her name, unfortunately for her, <laughs> and uh, she went by her Christian name, which was Angela. Mm. And I always felt a little weird calling yeah, her Angela. Yeah, strange. But then again, if my name was sadhical, I'd probably be she was fine Christian being or Catholic. Say again? She was Christian. Or I Catholic? think she was Catholic. Okay. She, I used to work. She was with in her. Yen Square. Mm, Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> that was a bad joke. But, but so, we? yeah, it, it just has that sort of. I don't know. I I think I would need to sit with it for more time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, the lovely thing about Japan is it's not going anywhere. Of course. For now. I mean, one earthquake could literally end the country, but... (laughs) 
<laughs> nearly has multiple times before, so. Should we take a walk? Yeah, let's take a walk. I want to photograph a little bit. I hadn't, I hadn't, well, I wanted to say this before, mm-hmm. before we were recording, was that, you know, I hadn't photographed mm. a lot on this trip, or the stuff I did make, I just felt sort of unsatisfied with, because everything here, to a degree, is so picturesque, yeah. that it's like, what additional commentary do I really yeah, yeah. need to be making I in a photograph? I completely understand. Yeah. Like, the picturesque quality of Japan, where everything is visual, makes it so that every photograph taken of it looks exactly the same. Exactly the same. And it's unfortunate, because I it's, don't know what the right angle is to getting it right, but I feel like, um... There are some directors in Japan who do it really well, like Sono Shion has a really good eye for the country, yeah. and obviously Anmo Hideaki, who does Evangelion. Yeah. He has a really, really unique and, like, I feel like presciently Japanese like view of the country yeah. that is, is very beautiful. Of course. Okay, so you owe... I have some change. No, do you? Do you have 450? Let's see. Oh, actually, I just need 350. Every, oh, I also wanted to say that the Japanese are like the kings of merchandising. Oh, you <laughs> did you get this here? Yeah. That's my, cute. My girlfriend bought like literally seven bags, you know, coin purse, backpack, uh-huh. coin uh, something, whatever. And so she had an extra one and that ended up to me. They call it, um, the merchandise here, they call it gudzu. 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 Yeah, it's just amazing how they take like, you know, your beloved character and then they slap it on anything, anything. imaginable. Yeah. And it looks good, mostly. Will you hold this for a second? Of course, yeah. That's I got four. That's perfect, that's all I need. Because I got the expensive toast. No, it's okay, I can maybe have fifty. Oh, if you do then go ahead. I need to start to use up some of this change before Jamal. What is so what's this one? That's a f- go in, it's five. Okay. I was like, if you pray, if you pray at a shrine, you want to use that coin to throw in. Oh, here's here's five. How about that? There you go. What what does it mean? What do you say at the end of your show? Matinee. Oh, uh, ja matane. What does that mean? That means that see you later. It's oh, like okay. a casual way of saying bye. Oh, nice. Because sayonara is quite final. Sayonara. Sayonara. Hit the road, big guy. Okay. Don't you come back. Can you imagine if I just like left this here on the table? <laughs> Looks fine, and uh, we haven't. Uh, it's still recording, so all is well that ends well. to a book off plus and oh, this. I fucking love book it's off. The best, yeah. Unbelievable. I was, I was actually really sorely disappointed. Oh yeah. In Shibuya. Oh Shibuya is kind of by the way, take a look at the cashier. He's so hot. It's pretty buff. So dreamy. That's my type of guy. 
literally if I had to draw a picture of like like a close to a 10 out of 10 he'd look like that I love that blank expressionless like masculine face with like the tight shirt sleeves but it, I don't know it's been funny because a lot of the like men or I'll see a lot of couples walking yeah and like the girl will be pretty but the guy will be like horrendously ugly oh yeah there's a lot of ugly men yeah the thing is, is that I kind of like the ugly guys too because they, they have like a weird. Are they pathetic or? Are they... No, no, I like I. They have like a weird masculinity about them. I like that they're so ugly and still like assert themselves like that. Yeah. For instance, that couple that's walked past us was a that guy was not it, and she's quite cute. <laughs> and in the uh, Jersey Shore, they would call you know the, the women a grenade. Yeah, grenade, landmine, <laughs> landmine, uh, yeah. atomic grenade. Bomb. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, these little street oh, arcades I wanted everywhere. To, I wanted to also comment about yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the mondos or the like little mascots that every business had. Yeah, we went to the um, the uh, I forgot the the Sky Tree Tower. Oh, you went to Sky Tree, and yeah. Sky Tree has a mascot. I fell in love with this mascot. She's like <laughs> a little star. Yeah, I know and, she's cute. Yeah, and she, and I bought all like this merchandise because I have not, you know, confessed confessing now. I've not watched really any anime that's fine and all of my friends have so they we were you know they were shopping for figurines uh-huh. they were looking for stuff and when I saw this little girl I was like wow something I can relate to because it's a universe onto itself similar to how TPN sort of <laughs> made its way but I'm like it's just so amazing There, we went to this building it's a fucking just it's the only thing is it's just a building it's the tallest tower in the, in the world of course yeah, yeah. and I, there was a mascot and who had two friends and they're all these different like renderings of like mm-hmm. it's not like they took clip art off the internet it's like it was specifically made for this yes it's just that was just so amazing to me I love the mascots yeah oh my god they're, I so, literally, they're wonderful there was a there was a fucking vending machine company that had this little mascot and, I, and now I'm like obsessed with trying to get it printed on a shirt oh amazing yeah yeah there's a very famous mascot from a Kumamoto called Kumamon who's yeah. like a big black bear uh, I think uh, no that's a different one but he <laughs> um, he is like so pressing that even though he's just like the Kumamoto mascot he like is everywhere. They put him on shows and stuff. He's everywhere. Uh, there's Otani Shohei, the baseball player. Oh. Wait, I be- can you stand in the middle of the street? Yeah, sure. I want to get a picture. How's here? Yeah, yeah. I'm in my like out of drag era. I was like thinking about doing. Um, I was not. Ex- I knew that you were going to be out of it, but it would have been pretty funny if you emerged from the station. From the station and my my blonde wig, wig yeah. my little bob. Yeah, I was actually thinking about it, but the thing is, is that I'm obsessed with my mustache, and I get a lot more attention with it. Yeah. And so it's going to be really hard for me but to convince you, myself to shave do, it like, off. The old school sort of drag with the mustache. And That's the, the thing. Is like if I was like a little bit more clowny. Then I could get away with a mustache and be like, I'm a bearded queen. But, but like, you're like too, I'm too avant-garde and old school to, <laughs> those words are antonyms, but yeah. like, I'm too 
avant-garde by way of being old school to have a beard and then do my makeup the yeah. way I do. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do exactly about this. But, okay, this is only three weeks old. So I can, I can <laughs> I like get back you, there. I like couldn't refer to it like it's a little growing. This is my little friend. Or something. Yeah, yeah, this is my girl. I love her. And she loves me. I'll take you to Kabukicho really quick. Yeah, what is this? Uh, so Kabuki shows the red light district. It won't be too interesting around this hour, but I've never recorded there either. So, fun, fun. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, so season two of TPN, like I said, is kind of where Jugs uh, becomes the next antagonist of the show, yeah. um, and she also has a really um, amusing and graceless evaporation uh, that befuddles people. And I can imagine how annoying it must be for Jack to have to field questions about that endlessly. Yeah. But it is a very compelling TV moment, isn't it? When is she just kind of... Isn't... I thought the episode with Joe is at, like, when... Yeah, the stalker with T-Rex. Yeah. She smote earlier today. And Joe is also, like, a... I think, in a way, there's that, um... When females... Yeah. ...collide, and there's that kind of competition... And then, obviously, Joe was just way more brilliant of a speaker. Oh, she's so articulate and funny and bright. Joe is one of my favorite creations that was (laughs) introduced (laughs) to me via TPN. Uh, I went and listened to every single thing I could find of her. I listened to her old uh, Tech Wars episodes and stuff. And, oh, my God, just so amazing. And then I think after that, right, it started to kind of get darker for Jack. And yeah, well, because immediately after, he had Dasha on after Jugs disappears. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to tell fledgling podcasters this. The second you get Dasha on your show, your life gets really bad. <laughs> because people hate it. They're very mad at you for being successful. And Jack will, you know, famously... Uh, self-identify himself as like a rescue orbiter originally and like a, yeah. a reply guy almost for them uh, and uh, having the, the dream come true of getting them on your show uh, is a double-edged sword yeah. one because you get to talk to you know a lovely young woman very intelligent lots of interesting opinions yeah. And, but then uh, the internet will immediately hate you. I don't, I don't even really understand the derangement about Dasha. I, mean, I don't fucking get it either. It is actually I completely baffling to I me. I think, you know, apparently, I've never thought about this. This is a thought that's never occurred in my mind uh-huh. about when people talk about vocal fry. Wait, hold on. I'm going to take a picture here. Cool. Of me? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> hey, but you can get it. That's all right. See, this is like a, one of those kind of generic looking, but still cool looking photos of the city. Um, yeah, I, I think because she has such a, like, she, to people, like, comes off as dumb, but she's actually smart. It, like, gets them really mad that she's like, oh, yeah, actually really uh, well-read and articulate. Uh-huh. And but it comes off like in a nonchalant way. But she also like Dasha can she knows when she's being provoking. Oh yeah, and she. That's the, and that's the same with Anna. And the Anna thing really annoys me because it's exactly what happens to Jack when they both make an obvious joke, and then then people who hate on them start trying to dunk. Yeah, it's like fucking idiots. You know, it's just preposterous and. The same thing happened to me when I had Dasha on my show. And Dasha came on 
I'm So Popular very early. Yeah. Uh, my first episode of my second season, uh, so I had only had like 26 episodes out at that time, and she gracefully came on my show. And then immediately, as what happened to Jack, is I got hordes and swaths of anonymous internet accounts yeah. uh, trying to find out stuff about my visa. Oh, I just hate it. It's yeah. just disgusting. Um, and this was definitely happening to Jack, and it was a lot of uh, special transgenders who were helping uh, ringlead. And you're right, season two is very dark in its back half. Yeah. I mean, and he kind of says that later on in, in other seasons just about like a kind of looming large I can't really recall I'm trying to think of specific episodes from that latter half of um, the season well the one that comes to mind is the entire uh, Christ Lover sequence uh, yeah. I believe that's season 2 right? yeah, yeah. and I kind of want this is I mean it's sort of I'm curious to hear your opinion uh-huh. because that that's such a funny episode to me because it's just like Ashley spilling out like her darkest everything about what's happened to her really Uh huh. but then strangely like Jack starts like crying in the middle half of the episode yeah a and very famous emotional yeah, moment it was, it was emotional but it was also like uh, histrionic to me oh my god yeah Okay, so my I was quite hurt and moved by that episode. And I think it was just because, like, uh, this had been, like, months after the, the, the really intense, like, seething hatred over Jack had started becoming, yeah. like, maniacal. Yeah. And so it, I think and it was just kind of a... That could push a person to the edge yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, and so I felt a lot of, you know, to use the E word, like, empathy about it. And yeah. it, it made me cry, actually. Of course, yeah. Which it is, was... A, it, I don't know. He's cried on other episodes. Yes. And I think though I have felt very moved by that. But for some reason on that one, um, it just kind of perplexed me because I was like, I mean, I don't know. Thinking about it in retrospect, it, I think Sasha said this, but it was about how... Sorry, I don't want to misattribute if he did or not, did okay. not say this, but... It was just about how Ashley was just sort of, like, deadened in everything that's happened to her, that she is just totally emotionally, like, unaffected and can't feel anything. And Jack is, like, a person who feels everything. Right. Yeah. Even though it doesn't seem like it. Even though it As seems a like cancer he's does. A, yeah. Even though it seems like he's a stoic, he's forging on. So I'm not going to say I'm not affording him to feel emotion. Mm. But in that moment, it was like she talked about how she got raped and her friend killed herself and all this stuff. And then Jack was, like, crying. And it was just very confusing. I hate Ashley. (laughs) I actually found her appearances, the first time I started hearing them, to be very annoying. Because she does that... um, We'll walk up this street later. Um, So she does this really obnoxious grading thing that I can't stomach at all. Which is where she uh, deliberately like, obscures, like, basic parts about her or makes up, like, kind of fantastical misrealities um, oh, to make yeah. herself seem more appealing. And I could smell it on her really early, and I didn't like her affect. So that whole episode of, like, hearing, like, all of those, like, nightmarish, like, things that were happening, I mean, it's really one of, like, the blackest... Uh, blackest episodes in the show and it's I mean it's fascinating it's extraordinarily long and intense and nothing else is like it Um, 
It was very um, engaging, though. It, it didn't have, like, I, I think there was that torturous element, but I, I don't know. I never felt like, oh, my God, I can't, like, I have to turn this off. Like, it, I don't know why. At least for me, I was just sort of enveloped in it. Okay, so we are coming up into Kabukicho, which is, like I said, the red light district. Uh, this street is uh, basically more or less, uh, uh, how do you say? This one's, this street's not so scuzzy. Yeah. But it gets scuzzy. Oh, and you see Godzilla up there? Oh, funny. This is uh, Toho Cinemas, and Toho's the uh, distributor and uh, production company that did the Godzilla movie. Oh, so. cool. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, so what... Okay, what else happens in season two that's worth mentioning? Ah, well, this is one of my favorite episodes of all time, which I think is the season two finale, if I'm not mistaken. And that is the Gone with the Wind COVID episode. Oh, yeah. So now you're bringing it back. I have a great memory about just kind of driving... I was driving down... I was living in Connecticut uh-huh. with my folks, but driving down to... To, to Brooklyn for like one of the first times and just like listening to that and there was just sort of a triumphant like euphoric feeling about because that was like the Gesamtkunstwerk you know kind mm-hmm. of all encompassing crystallizing like his vision because it just there's that sort of tragic tragic element about that movie that makes it so eternal absolutely yeah and that episode it like moves at a mile a minute. Oh yeah, it's so fast paced and the. And I think that was also sorry to cut you off. Oh no, go ahead. I think that was also at the time, which is sort of important, how we were all feeling about the masking and COVID and the election at that yeah, time. Yeah, it was had, just yeah. like it was just like let's get all the fucking cards on the table at this point. Yeah, it was just yeah. like a like neck breaking, extraordinarily thorough, and like just. And exhilarating was, yeah. episode and I think about it all the time I remember exactly was where I listened to it I listened to it twice in a row yeah wow I was obsessed I could not believe it are you getting sensory overload yet? oh uh, no impressive oh Krispy Kreme <laughs> yeah there's a Krispy Kreme underneath the cinema <laughs> I want to see the Toyoku kids are here okay Oh, I'll keep an eye on the time here, too. Wait, why is it called the red light? Uh, because once you go down uh, one street, basically, uh, there's uh, hookers. Oh! And if you if you walk home here at night... Oh, trash. I love trash. That's not something you see every day. I want to stand in that. I love trash. <laughs> You're like John Uh, I wanted to show this to you as well. This is Madonna. Uh, <laughs> so Madonna is a, uh, s- a strip strip joint, 
and uh, they have a two-way mirror, so you can see them, but they can't see you, and it's like 2,000 bucks for a show. I'm sorry, 2,000 yen, what? not 2,000 bucks, it's $20. That's great. I love taking people here, it's so funny, peeping show. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I can't believe that. I mean, some of it's. The oh look, look at this Hawkeyes going in. <laughs> I love it. It's about yeah, they'll offer I, you a blowjob or a handjob for like a three thousand yen as I, well. I love the sort of juvenile nature of like sex shops for young men. They go in kind of as. A and they're like, <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So we have to get to season three briefly because there's one other point I desperately need to make. Oh, you like that mascot? He's <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Uh, that's uh, for uh, a part-time job company. That's a mascot for a part-time job uh, agency. <laughs> I would, you know, I'm signed up. Yeah, you, you got it. <laughs> Season three? Yeah, so this is where the main point I wanted to make about TPN basically comes, is that it has uh, this really riveting political backdrop and uh, supplies you with a new and glamorous understanding of the world. And then there's a huge plot twist where Jack reveals it was all a plot to get people to read, to get conservative men to read gay black incest porn, <laughs> which is on the, the, Valley of the exactly, which is my, maybe my favorite episode of the show, and it is so, like, moving and heart-wrenching to, like, hear Jack, like, accomplish this mission after so long, and get these people to read this very long, intense booger-eating book, and then have an emotional reaction to it. Oh, they're here. Yes! Okay. Well, did they? Was there crying on this episode too? I don't recall. Yeah. Okay. I just remember the uh, the straight men being more enthused than Jack, or like just as enthused about reading the book, and it's pretty remarkable. Now, uh, do you see these girls in front of us, like over to the left there, and then in front of us over there? Which ones? Those right there, having a little hug. Oh, right here, yeah. Yeah. So those are called Toyoku Kids. That's an elementary school student. And they come here to smoke cigarettes and get drinks and hit on the uh, men who are standing right there. Aren't you glad I showed this to you? Yeah. Yeah. Every day since I've been here, I, I, I don't understand the language. I'm missing all of the... He's, he's like filling in the gaps for me. Yeah, isn't this unbelievable? I'm just walking by completely un... un I don't even know. <laughs> That's amazing. Nothing like it. I would have never thought. There you have it. And right here is a Warp. Uh, this is a very popular club that has uh, used to have my favorite, uh, one of my favorite groups, Perfume. Their producer used to DJ here. Hasn't done it in like three years, though. Okay. Off we go. You got to get you to your train soon. Thank you, Zach.
right, we're back. Hey, what's up? <laughs> hey, Zach. Hey, um, where we left off, we were in Tokyo, Japan, and now I'm sitting in Redmond, Oregon. You're back in New York City, and I wanted to kind of go into more detail about TPN and chat about sort of its back half more um, now that we've had some time, several months, uh, between last recording and... Um, as I mentioned on the Patreon-exclusive Sirens continuation of the show, I'm, I'm currently sitting in a Knott's Landing cul-de-sac here in Redmond, Oregon, uh, watching my neighbor uh, water his grass beneath an American flag. Um, I'm on the porch outside having a cigarette, and yeah, we're here. What's been new with you? Um, not much, just I'm actually going to be moving soon. Uh, I'm in Brooklyn, so I'll be moving into Upper Manhattan. That's exciting. Um, yeah, summertime, things are really slow, um, and I'm just trying to enjoy the last of it, really. Yeah, it's a, a narrative effort to make oneself enjoy summer sometimes. Pete, I've heard that people call August, like, the Sunday of months. I can really understand that, which is fortunate <laughs> for me because I overloaded August with, like, American travel and, like, changing jobs and, like, being uh, morbidly obsessed with a man, you know? So it's, like, I, I definitely have uh, restyled my Sunday of months. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, totally. This is something I wanted to ask um, when we were speaking back in Shinjuku so many months ago, but how has, like, TPN kind of affected, like, your day-to-day rhythm or how you conduct your lifestyle? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, certainly the ritual of putting perfume on is there. Um, and that's, it's funny to think about how the role of perfume has changed, like, over the show. Um, like, I'm thinking about some of the early phrases that he would say. Like, the first instance I heard Jack talking about it was that it's like a time teleportation device. Yeah. You know, and, um, uh, and, and and memory associating device and then he would say also that you can use it as like armor he'd be like i don't want anyone to talk to me you know i just want to i just want to uh pierce uh the world and let my presence be known um certainly that um i think it definitely affected relationships like how i speak as well he has that like um you know, I mean, he's like a descendant of Polya, so his mm-hmm. his way of speaking and thinking has affected uh, my thought processes, and um, kind of has allowed me to like get a better grasp on um, culture or situations or um, what have you. That's the Zach Langley Chuchi term to say what have you. Um, <laughs> But on, yeah, on the day-to-day basis, like, I think maybe taking pleasure in more of the senses. Yeah, very much that. I think that one of the interesting qualities of the show that we didn't really get to touch on is how, like, the media that's discussed, like, seeps into the formatting of the show. Um, That most of all soap operas, because I've started watching The Young and the Restless, like, pretty ritualistically um when i would get home from work and would just put like an episode or two on like every day while i like was doing errands around my house or like tidying up and when you have like a 
central frugal central frugal central frugal narrative to your to your existence and like some kind of like artistic framing device like you start associating your memories in a more linear way and that's so fascinating because like now i have like episodes of young and the restless that now kind of delineate chapters of my day-to-day life but the thing that's done that the most for me is definitely tpn because so many dramatic events in my life have been bookended by listening to episodes of the show on like the train home or walking around Mm. in the rice fields or um, on my way to go drinking and so it's like in the same way that like perfume kind of serves as like a way to like access the past and like create a a future um the soap opera leakage also has that effect in in a different way oh yeah totally i mean i think it's also been discussed on the show about having that um place memory associated with the with listening um and that's certainly cemented in my mind it's like it's it's funny i'm thinking about how the show is about things that are in the air. It's like the airwaves of the vibration of the talking or the scents that are in the air that like cement memories. That's beautiful. And I think that was certainly the case too, when Orton was doing a lot of like the sound design and would like crinkle up those wrappers. um, Yeah. And like (laughs) the really extra sugar free. Exactly. And like the really audible, um, sound of like the earbuds smacking against like the the microphone <laughs> on the neck like yeah there's like because they use that that uh apple head headphones yeah the apple the earbuds one. so yeah. all of those like little noises and stuff also like really um do create an overall psychedelic project and in the same way like, like the literature like women in love that i mentioned in the previous segment as well as like clarissa these deep endless long form uh, brain expanding projects that like bully you into accepting their forms. It's like, I don't know. TPN has definitely had that effect on me too. Yeah. It's like letting it all wash over you. I think you just morph over time. Like you get into it and then you just find that you're changed by the show. Like mm-hmm. inevitably. Yeah. I really noticed that listening back when I was talking about like, um, like my political awareness and my, willingness to offend there's absolutely no way i would be i've always been a vocal person and you know meeting some of my friends back here in america they um where they tell me that they like oh yeah like you're kind of an intimidating person which i always find <laughs> funny and apparently i had that quality even in college but i think more so now i feel like way more um liberated to speak on whatever i want without having to qualify it yeah, well, he certainly doesn't qualify on the show. There are even times that he would, like, he'll allude to something, like, really provocative and not explain, like, anymore. <laughs> um, like, I forgot, I was listening to the episode with, like, Low Pony recently, or or maybe it was with uh, Mateo, and it was talking about, like, um, eroticized rape in movies. Uh-huh. And he's like, because that's hot. And and he didn't explain, like, the psychological aspects of why that might... He was just like, yeah, it's just... Because it's just, like, people think that's hot. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> There's no... It's like, um... It, like, speaking that... Uh, with that sort of, like, level of confidence. Like, you just come to not... You don't have to, like, overly question. Like, once you get into that sort of mind frame, mm-hmm. you, like... You start to understand 
without the qualifiers, why he might think that. Totally. Like, you're thinking yeah. unshackles. Yes, exactly. And it's really fascinating, too, to conduct the final part of this conversation in America, where TPN is set and is so largely indicative of, to me, like, the voice of Texas, as well as, like, the um, stray foreigners in the rest of the country who interact with it. It is, like, a really... American image and to kind of reimmerse myself in the culture that it's often commenting and, and critiquing. It definitely feels right to be sitting here at the cul-de-sac and the sunset wind. Mm. It's also gone with the wind. I'm like on that like enormous like orange backdrop set. I feel like with the smoky Southern fire <laughs> like yeah. burning down the world. Um, America does feel apocalyptic. There is something like wrong here. And uh, that kind of like, sense of malaise is uh although the show is like overall like ecstatic like it's one of the um truest depictions of that like weird end times kind of uh civil war feel that i'm kind of picking up on in the states right now mm. i don't um, know I'm I, all... mm. do you feel that way or do you feel like it's not so bad <laughs> um i guess you're definitely coming in with like a fresh set of eyes right like when I'm, um, I realize, you know, when I take pictures and it's like when you're in an environment for like a long period of time, you get like desensitized to everything. Right. And then what's like you, you go out and you come back and you go, whoa, like all the shit I was just oblivious to. Um, certainly like I had been thinking about, um, like asking, I'm not asking this in a gotcha way, but like, you know, Hey, Jack, do you think of yourself, like, as a contrarian? You know? I mean, it's a good question. Um, Mm. Because certainly there's, like, a level of um, reactivity or or being reactionary on the podcast, especially, like, through COVID, right? Um, In a time where it's, like, uh, the flame of just... of the lust for life or culture or art had just been putting a damper on it's like yes we needed you know something on a project or people who can like stand up and champion like beauty really um so i guess getting back to like the end times i don't know i think it really pulled back and on a personal level because i think the beginning of the podcast sorry i'm going on tangent no no this but is great the, the beginning of the podcast really had like more overt political undertones mm-hmm. um and then it kind of morphed into like uh something way more individual i feel like or like in its message completely unique but it's definitely a lot of it tracking through because you know of course orton was on the show um and and um jugs but it's always been jacks he's the captain of the ship and now it's like almost diaristic in some ways you know like things that he were bugging him or he was thinking about was like a reaction to maybe when he was working at the hotel things he was thinking about maybe the media was like of react I'm just theorizing I don't want to reach too far but like maybe he's he was definitely looking at the world around him and like 
reacting to that and picking media to where he wanted to be. Yeah, and now the show, as you said, is kind of like transformed where it's like a generative of um, like a new world. And, and York described it to me really well when we talked about Common Writer a few weeks ago, but he said it's like he views my show and Jack's as like kind of like the foundation and construction of a personal canon, which I really responded yeah. to. And that element has, of course, always been present on TPN, but as it's become like more individual and less reliant on you know other people to uh kick it forward every week it definitely does have that sense that um it is like completely almost uh like divided from i don't want to say that in a bad way it feels like in in a good way it feels like it's its own spinning universe um yeah and the yeah. it's that's always been the case with like the audience and the reception to it because of the really intense personal relationship people hold at the show and the mm. commentary surrounding it and i think that's definitely increased with the introduction of the discord for patreons and like the book club like you can feel like um it's shutting out the shit and the stuff that was reacted to in favor of its own like virgin universe oh yeah it's like self-propelling now i really like that word you use generative it's like if you were you know building your own worlds uh and let's let's say in minecraft or something and it's like you got to the end of uh they weren't generating any more textures (laughs) <laughs> there was no more it's like you guys went off and now it's like you're building up a completely new completely new um world i guess yeah i think i feel like you can kind of actually even like trace that um and i wanted to speak about this as well um season three was the first time i appeared on the podcast um i made i believe four appearances that season um first was with elizabeth takes off i'm discussing like some tennessee williams and elizabeth taylor content and then thereafter or before that i was on the first time uh, talking about like some isabel huper movies and then after that was like the um like kind of like sweaty guy um like post like warhol movies and uh, finally it was on day of the tusk and like that was like for me with amanda milius who had been um like described as like the icon of perfume nationalism at the time like that <laughs> yeah. d- that did kind of close like the chapter on like the exterior universe pushing in on the show and kind of was like the tusk eruption of like the rhinoceros horn uh bursting forward to begin in a generative way oh totally i mean i spoke about this before but yeah that it's certainly like cl- climaxed there and then you know season four it's like it's like we're building up i feel like you know season one for sure is like completely you know canonical of like it's almost like the realized ideal of the project right Mm -hmm. like that beginning form of just like super um like classic those like um blockbuster in a way fragrances paired with like iconic movies that are like representative of the movement in a way and then it's like you know we move all the way through i think the the format goes pretty much un besides like maybe the mall like it goes unmolested up until like the end of season three 
And then uh, season four begins with one of the most like fascinating and effortlessly beautiful uh, podcast episodes I've ever heard when we get to spend that like eight hours like going through like the soap opera sets and like uh, interaction with the people around that it, it's so serene it's like quiet for 20 minutes at a time and it has a really interesting way like that's unique to the podcasting medium where like the ambient noise of that setting like can bleed into your own and in that same like janitor <clears throat> generative task way like it does feel like the podcast is like expanding outside of the rss and mp3 and like into your life when you spend like all like what seven eight hours of that episode like walking around with it oh yeah which is uh, just that point ambient noise uh and that definitely completely altered my thinking of like what is a podcast you know mm-hmm. that, com- that completely changed the meaning for me it's like when you record all day you know anything anything on it, it life is a podcast life is a podcast and i think that's very true vera brought this up to me she's like podcasts are like the new reality tv and it's like the forefront like the uh, direction and the narrative form is like the content that you're discussing or like the general um sort of like stratus of the show but then like the real intrigue is like the personalities behind it that you follow um both like literally on twitter or whatever and like you keep up with their ongoings but also like the effect that has when it touches the form of the podcast i love that i love vera so much genius um, literally she such is a genius star. <laughs> can, can never but, get over her no that's so amazing because you guys i've had that thought for a long time and you guys just completely articulated it but i might add yes it's like um when you follow those characters because you know when you watch reality tv let's just take the jersey shore of course um and it's like you know people want to find out more and in this way of Twitter, because especially, you know, a lot of the show in some way had to go on of the of the field that was happening of maybe discourse was like what's happening on Twitter. And it's like you were able to, like, affect what was happening on the show in real time, you know, just as a viewer. Absolutely. Or, or somebody interacting. Yeah. And both of us have appeared on the show now and it's really interesting to kind of comment on it from that distance and proximity at the same time, because, you know, I definitely feel like I have an impact on the show in like some minor way. It's a very least. And it's like this project that I idealize and like kind of worship in a way is like the pinnacle of like what podcasts are, even though, you know, Jack wouldn't, um, you know, want to say that in, in public at risk of being ridiculed by anonymous hordes. But it, it really like, it's so fascinating to, um, then, like, slip into the narrative myself and, like, look at it that way. Yeah, um, it's kind of scary in a way. Tell me to, about it. Yeah, and also just thinking about, like, entering the show, it's like, you know, when a cartoon becomes real life, that's what it feels <laughs> like. That's what it feels like. They just, just like, came out of the screen. But in, in reverse this time, you're, like, watching this thing happen, and, you know, because when you have distance, right, I feel like distance in a way creates art because all these objects that were maybe just functional objects, everyday objects, have been put in a, you know, a museum of decorative arts and had a artist statement written about it. And, uh, you know, and a curator 
uh, giving an explanation for it. So I'm just thinking in the same way, because, you know, a, lot, a huge focus of the show in that parallel with soap operas is like, you know, the uh, ongoing narrative, the ongoing story of the perfume nationalist, the ongoing narrative um, is like, um, you're watching this thing unfold and then you hop into it. And then with distance, you're like, wow, I am going to live forever as a voice on this show. One small voice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like this description of TPN as like kind of the art gallery because you know Jack has been being like this is like a like a literal like academic course that I'm like uh, gifting you all with. But uh, for me, he's like, like the most working class artist. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, you're right. Like he is, and it's so f- interesting to me because I definitely view it that way. But like the meat of the show is like um, everyone in the art gallery as organized by Jack Mason, and then like the chit chat in the art gallery and like the personal dramas it's like um a tennessee williams <laughs> or like agatha christie play where like everyone's like locked in a sweaty room and surrounded by the monuments of art <laughs> yeah very beautiful um season four is very interesting because shortly after its onset um a major staple of the show departs orton and lots of people like to theorize that there's drama or anything but it's uh, really a, a beautiful soap opera conclusion to a a character arc because sometimes in life it's not about a fight or some narrative twist it's just that like um you know paths diverge and it's a bittersweet and even though like jack has been the foundational force like you said in the captain of the ship um it it was a, a really riveting uh experience to see the show have to undergo a pretty radical change in format yeah, totally. Especially because I know, as a in terms of logistics, Orton had been handling everything in terms of recording and editing and and whatnot. Um, so it's kind of like a fourth wall break in a in a way. Is like he's like learning how to record himself, get the levels right. But more than that, it's like speaking on the mic, just you. When you realize it's like not a conversation, it's like who, you're you're talking directly to the audience in that way. Mm. Uh, it's very strange. It's like that that goes back to what we said before, just sort of about you know hopping on the show or affecting the show with you know input or tweets or whatever. It, so I mean, I'm just thinking about like the scented bath episode, you know. One of my favorite episodes of the show um, are those, like, first solo ones. But calling it a fourth wall break is precisely correct. And one of the most, like, shocking moments of my entire life was when I was working out at the gym and put the new TPN episode on, and the theme song had changed. Yes. Oh, my God, yeah. I, I mean, that blew my mind. I, like, couldn't even fathom it. And... I was like, oh my god, like, everything is completely different. When you have a format for well over 100 episodes that's, like, so well-established, and then there's that breakage, it feels like the third Evangelion rebuild movie, like, quickening. It's like, (laughs) cue, break. I think all, like, shows and, you know, maybe soaps, um, they always take you... They There always has to be conflict, right? Um... It's like, this is a silly example, but I just saw Pee-wee's Big Adventure yesterday. Sure. Great, great movie. 
Um, but it's like everything's like fun in the beginning, and then you know he's gonna lose his bike. Uh huh. And it's like you have to sit in that level of like change. I mean, I'm a person who like gets very scared by things changing very rapidly, and it's like, but you just know you have like you're you're taken with the tide, like you can't fight it. Totally. So it's like it's like exciting, but you also realize it's like, oh my god, that era we can never go backwards we can never go to that original theme again yeah i mean we could you down cannot the line undo you cannot undo it's constantly moving forward yeah and it's uncanny and intense to experience that especially because i mentioned so much like how much tpn really like sinks into your life and creates like those bookmarks in your own existence when you honor the format and listen to all of it sequentially and so when there's that snap it is like wow it is deeply intense and those episodes when it's just jack alone in his car talking about like vox lux or when he's Mm. in the bath um that is i mean it's a new frontier and the narrative arc of the fourth season of like him like learning how to conduct the show 100 percent independently is very inspiring and beautiful and feels very like randian in all the white all the white ways oh my god this is what <laughs> happens when, I come, when you get me out of japan i start like morbidly misspeaking <laughs> um i know yeah yeah the scented bath um i don't want to jump too far ahead but of course i'm thinking about your episode and, you know, it's uh, Madonna's birthday today. That's right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Born This Way episode, too, because, um, of course, like, once again, I'm, I'm commenting uh, from a pretty close proximity, but that's definitely another huge narrative explosion on the show, uh, released on Jack's birthday. Very long episode um, and pretty bleak. And I remember the first time I, I heard it and, like, listened to that first um, section, which has the kind of, like, the... What's that phrase Jack always uses to describe, like, the uh, rock bottom of alcoholism, right? Yeah. And when I heard that, I was like, was it that drunk? I thought I was kind of, like, carefree in the moment. And then the uncanny effect of looking in the mirror of just how drunk I got when I was, like, talking about, like, pissing and, like, throwing up and, like, um, (laughs) like, not wearing... It almost got... (laughs) Sorry, it almost got incestual at points to me of, like, he's your mother. And there was, like, a little, like, Zach, like, you're so hot. Like, (laughs) 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 it was it was very strange. Well, gay guys all have a mom thing or they have a dad thing in some cases. But I think Jack and I both have a, a mom thing, probably, which animates both of our shows. But. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's beautiful and uh, a really raw, 100% uncontained explosion of emotional energy all set to Lady Gaga. This is a really prescient and individual worldview that could not be recreated on any other show. Of course. What did, uh, it, what did that episode like mean for you overall? I don't know. I, I can't say um, that much about it because i think at that point i was really be i was like sort of behind because i like to keep a backlog of of tpn um or maybe at this point i was going through listening in order um so i was not that these are real things in the tpn universe spoilers 
But I just remember everyone talking about, oh my god, you know, this was such an explosive episode for the first half, and then they, like, climax, and they didn't know where to go from there. That's what I heard about it. Yeah, I remember there was one point in the episode where Jack's like, let's talk about art pop. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> okay. Let's, just have, let's just have a quick changeover. Yeah. I feel like just speaking in terms of... And sorry, this is very... Um, I don't ever mean to uh, come off, like, too harsh or anything because... You're going well, thanks. It's, it's interesting how... Because part of this is... Wor- yeah, I'm talking about maybe Jack... But it's also like let's think about him in the char- in a, as a character in the show. Uh huh. You know, I'm not trying to like attack his uh, his being or him as a person or anything. But I'm just like in the in relation to like rock bottom, the one that really like that was mo- the most harrowing episode was the La Belle Noire Zeus episode. Remind me of what that one is. That was with um, Ryan Simone. Oh, I know that one. That one was pretty shocking for me, too. That was... I think that was even more shocking, because it was just like... I don't want to say it, but... No, it I, was, I know what you mean. Yeah, it was It was pretty dark. But, it I mean, was pretty rock... And that that's what I felt like was the turning point to that sort of phase of... Because he was sort of indulging in the drinking and, like, accepting it. And, like, letting this spiral... Some of season four is, like, a spiral. Like oh, a without spiral. a doubt. It, I mean, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, I think one of the most important things about his artistic product is that, like, he has the vulnerability not to be, like, staging himself in that way. And it is, like, completely genuine and intense. And I really admire that, um, you know, vulnerable quality to be able to, like display that because of course like the narrative development is you know jack stops drinking and um it would not have meant anything unless like the whole portrait is on display and of course it's like awkward talking about this when i like know that you know jack quite well and i talk to him basically like every day and in chats or wherever but um i mean that's just the the distance problem that exists in in this uh particular podcasting instance but no i i think you're completely right yeah it's a total soap opera plot line it is. It, and I mean, he literally references that fact multiple times, so. Yeah. Sorry, I just burped alcohol. Very fitting. <laughs> I burped my white claw. <laughs> 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 um, but this season does kind of, like, manage to manifest itself uh, very successfully, and we do get that, this uh, complete individuation of the self and... A division from the past it feels very japanese to me in that way and mm. it also has like kind of that like 60s japanese psychedelic film like spinning in chaos it feels to me like funeral parade of roses or like chichi no ai in in many places um but it also has one of the most haunting conclusions to a season that has happened on his show or any others with the cul-de-sac episode mm. so underrated and no one talks about it well, what do you think about it? I think it's complete genius because it is another field recorder episode with Jack, his boyfriend, and Alec uh, driving in L.A. to the set of, uh, well, where they filmed the um, intro sequence for Knots Landing, where, where the cul-de-sac is, is said to exist. And yeah. it's presented without almost any comment. Um, there's, like, no topic of the week or anything. It's a very casual, um, like... Existence. It feels like a, a raw moment of life that's been 
put into portraiture and it ends with the show kind of spinning into a feedback loop where it begins with the first appearance of the show um, and Orton's mm-hmm. voice on there as they begin the first episode of the first season. Uh, so I thought that was, you know, really beautiful and it inspired me a lot. But what, what did you make of it? Um, it's the same thing. I hate to be blah, blah, blah spoilers because they're, they're not real. But so I just remember somebody commenting, oh, I love when Orton, you know, comes back at the end. And, that, and I couldn't get that out of my brain when I was listening. Um, but I'm thinking about the symbolism of like a cul-de-sac or like a circle, right? Circles are supposed to represent like warmth or infinity because there's no start and end to it. So it's definitely capping off, um, in this front facing way, uh, this sort of narrative arc you know, hearkening back to its roots and then closing off this chapter mm-hmm. and then on to the next one. Because, you know, obviously, I think this maybe was the most, like, soap opera-y season. And maybe, like, not every plot detail was was um, mapped out beforehand, but it definitely, definitely seems like Jack had stepped back to, like, narrativize his life through the podcast. Yeah, he definitely and... had the foresight to make that circle. And like yeah. he, you said, the simplest imagery of um, Knott's Landing, which had been like the theme song for, you know, so long and had been kind of like the, the basically like the picture frame on the podcast to yeah. actually like put that place into real life. Um, you know, we, I've talked about this with him, but it, it does feel like the end of the third season of Twin Peaks when they go back to Laura's house, what year is it, and um, the, the scream. Mm. And it's so fascinating to me to choose to go back to that very first episode when things were um, so different and kind of, like, use that as, like, not necessarily a restart, but like you said, an infinity symbol. Um, as Madonna says on um, Madam X, life is a circle, life is a circle. Um, yeah. Because obviously Orton doesn't, like, return thereafter. It's like a, it's the ghost in the show when he's there, but... Um, it just is to show like this whole thing has been one contained circle that will always exist and doesn't necessarily have like one precise starting or ending point. Yeah. And I think like there's always people are always constantly nostalgic for like the old days or like the, the glory days. The old Kanye. Yeah, no, of course. But it's like, it's the continuing story. And there's, like, the beauty in tragedy and loss in that way, which I think, yeah. And it's perfectly bookended because the show begins with all of them, you know, going to the Dallas set, and then it ends here with them on the set of Knott's Landing. And it has, like, that wonderful, once again, to quote Japanese media, but it's, like, that, it's, like, an anti-porno or, like, any other Japanese art film when they, like, or even, like, um, the most recent Evangelion film, when they pull back and you see the set and you see the lights, and you see the camera, and you see the directors and the producers, and it's all um, revealed to be, like, you know, aware of itself. And it doesn't feel, like, that cloying or pretentious because of, like, the way the episode is styled so effortlessly in that car, and I just found that to be uh, really touching. Yeah, and I also remember about this episode is that it wasn't overly sentimental. Not at all. Uh, 
which I which I sort of liked because you know you know the show must go on. Exactly, and you also yeah. like get to the end of the episode where you know there's like the before it spins back into Orton appearing, it like it feels um, like they're going to like walk around the cul-de-sac and comment on it, but you don't get that. It just ends with mm. them arriving there. Yeah. No. Exactly. Haunting. Truly prescient art. Um, but this leads <laughs> us to where we are now, the current season, and what might be my favorite season of the show. Oh, wow. Okay. I really love what's happening on TPN now because um, I've talked with Jack personally about, like, um, the, the doily layer, like, the, the grandma doily of, like, um, you know, the pleasantly having tea and, like, uh, you know, sitting on your porch and your rocking chair and, uh, like, ladies of the club kind of thing. And this season has, like, that in spades, and it's so joyful. Mm. What do you make of it? Um, I'm not caught all the way up, um, but I really enjoyed that initial Guiding Light episode where it was just, like, an audio montage. Um, Yeah, something that would have never happened with um, the appearance of other people on the show. No, of course. And that was, I think, his most cryptic episode, too. Yeah. I mean... Of maybe, you know, the cul-de-sac. No, I think more so than the cul-de-sac. Because it was... we were. I was trying to make out of... What is he trying to communicate exactly? Because he's such a, like, forthright speaker with what he's trying to get across. And here we're just kind of left with these, like, fragments of, like, family drama. And yeah. interpersonal drama. Um, but I... Just to pull back for a second about the show and because I'm excited now I'm excited to you know continue on listening um is that you know of course TPN in some ways is characterized by that I you know I don't know if kitsch is the right word but like sort of warmth of the 70s you know psychedelia or soap operas you know more more appropriately sorry uh you know but he's also able to like weave in and out of you know sort of phases of how he's feeling you know like it's some some days you want to be the like you know genderless like encre noir black box you know but other times you want to be having like pimento cheese sandwiches and tea time yeah you want to be under the under the grandma quilt exactly but it's it's encompassing of all these different moods um so and it's a miracle that it all feels so well it's not a miracle it's a deliberate act of uh forthright art making but the fact that it all feels so cohesive is just staggering yeah like i think he's opened the thinking the way of thinking especially me that like we can you can enjoy it all you you don't have to be like you know there's no contradictions here you can just enjoy this and that when i think in the past it's like people have a very like hierarchical understanding or like ordinal ranking of you know this is good but this is bad mm-hmm. it's like no but he's like navigating through um how he's feeling through media oh beautiful navigating one's own emotions through media and then publicly displaying one's thought as to create a new universe of fully rendered gamut of human emotion and doing it without seeming pretentious, which I'm victim to. I sound pretentious all the time. That's like <laughs> probably one of like the leading characteristics of 
me and my show is that I sound like a stuck-up asshole, and <laughs> Jack never does. And that's probably because I'm an Oregonian, and he's Southern, and Southern people have a more raw, like, um, genuine quality about them, and Oregonians, like me and Courtney Love, are a lot more like, <laughs> practiced and uh, aware of our image, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, he certainly, like, um, it's just amazing how, you know, in a way, yes, maybe there's, like, a barrier to entry, for some people, but it's never like, um, it's never thought of like as homework. It's like he plants the seed that, yes, I just want to go see a 14 hour art movie. Mm. Um, or like in other ways, you know, maybe it's definitely spread to when I talk to my friends about media or for myself is like, I don't need to be you know, focusing on the plot. I just need to be there. I just need to be present. I just need to have this wash over me. Absolutely. It's galvanizing. Yeah. It totally is. And it's so, you know, one of the things that I've always been like most, um, you know, forlorn about in my own, you know, artistic creation and what I've been so focused on is just like how, you know, bleak it is when you don't have like anyone who you love around you to like discuss and be passionate about this stuff with and his show does it so naturally and without comment um that it it does truly feel like very beautiful yeah and it is sort of amazing uh, like how he's connected you know all of us in this like universe because i certainly felt like i had no one to talk to or like to push myself artistically or creatively, you know, and now there's like this, everyone who has this sort of like-minded way of thinking, you know? Yes. TPN, the perfume network. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. (laughs) That's a phrase I've heard before, but it's, um, I mean, I would have never met you and had that lovely day in Shinjuku walking around investigating cow and perfume. Mm. And it's like the show has like trespassed, like away from uh, merely being an RSS feed and curated gallery of emotional art, but is like now like an engendering, galvanizing force that like literally unites people in the corporal world. Mm-hmm. It actually accomplishes what the last Evangelion movie like tries to argue, which is that like you should use the themes of my show to actually exist in the real world and embrace like the entirety of life but to be honest like tpn actually accomplished that in a way that maybe evangelion can't do because if it's prestige i'm almost thinking now like hearkening back when i was talking about you know it's uh early parts of the show being more caught up with like you know uh politics in that way is that i think this is probably the most uh, a successful and thriving political movement. Without like, a doubt, like this is this is like stuff that's actually positively affect people actionably to like change their lives. You know, and and that is probably going to have the most longevity as well because it's um how do I say like uh, self reproducing, like once you once it's washed over you this way of thinking it just spreads to other people and it's in a totally and it's in a way that's totally not proselytizing or you know it's just like uh it po- this warmth and positivity just of like a 
spreads out and affects the world. Wow, that's beautiful. Hmm. Yeah. Um, the one... sun is setting currently. It's like a bright pink on the smoky side to the south mm. of me. There's like a mild breeze, and I'm like sweating in my shirt, like thinking all of this, like looking at like the trees <laughs> in front of me and all of like these American houses that are completely. There's like so much space in front of me. It's uh, very touching to ha- be having this conversation now. <laughs> You you lead such a romantic life, Zach. No one leads a romantic life. It's just how you style yourself. Hmm. Mm. Sorry, what were you going to say? Um, I am thinking also just about how, you know, I've been experiencing the show. And, I mean, there's so much that I still don't quite understand. And, you know, Jack's always talked about pieces of art in his like adolescence that he's like just puzzled over you know Mm -hmm. uh and i'm just thinking about with the show like because i originally thought you're supposed to like buy the perfume and like watch the piece of media accompanying it before you like listen to the episode um and that's if you're a real tpn uh, completionist and and listeners yeah that's um the perfume nationalist perfect edition Yes, you had. This is like um hundred percent speed run. Yeah, this is the, the platinum perfect. trophy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be. I mean, the stuff that I have watched um has certainly affected me, you know, in huge ways, you know, and and um expanded my mind. But and that's only scratching the surface. Like, what if I actually went back and like read every piece of media, listened to ev- all the albums, watched all of the movies. I mean, part of me at a moment's notice, you know, besides having a job, that's what's really holding me back. But I would love to just, like, throw everything to the wayside and trap myself in the TPN bunker and just, like, watch and consume every piece of media. Yeah, and- absolutely. But there's, like, a joy to not having all of it and like, the missing pieces, and it gives you a foundational curiosity, like you mentioned earlier, that inspires you to seek things out on your own. Um, so for me, like, I could never watch and read every single thing that's discussed. But, like, at the same time, it's, like, gotten me to read, um, like, Through the Valley of the Nest of Spiders and, like, watch, like, the first two seasons of the Mary Tyler Moore show. And there was, like, I think like, the first year I was listening to the show, like, most of the content I, like, consumed uh, was inspired by my listen to TPN, I can only aspire to have that same effect with what I do. Yeah, I mean, I'm even thinking about the episode with Brooke Bowers. Is that Brooke showed Jack like the Mary Tyler Moore show, mm. and then he and he's like, "Yeah, you know, I only watched like the first, you know, few seasons." And so you took it, Jack. You took it way further than I did. <laughs> so it just it just makes me think. It's like we all have our own journey, you know, and Jack in a way can be the guiding light. Um, but everybody's going to have their own tastes and interests that, you know, that they're going to go into. Everyone's going to have that specialty, but he certainly like covers almost like a well-rounded curriculum. It's like, he's trying, he's covering everything in a way. Yeah. There's basically like every country is there in some way or another, or like will be in the future. And yeah. Um, speaking of the guiding light, I wanted to, you know, talk to you about this as well, because, Obviously, Knots Landing is, like, the first 
uh, picture frame with the theme music, and then we have Mary Tyler Moore show for quite a while, and now we are in the dulcet guiding light music. Um, what did you make of that transformation when you started hearing it? Are you there yet? You are. No, I'm not. Oh, you haven't heard the the guiding light spoiler. Yet. No, spoiler. <laughs> yeah, no, I just um, finished the like Tori Amos um, episode. Oh, does that one not have the? The, no, that's that's this is when he introduced the um like a few episodes back introduced the like Patreon and Discord like paid um almost like a little commercial in the middle of the show. I could have sworn that by then the intro music was that like kind of like harp like dun that's not there yet. I don't think so. I think he it's it's just the um, the Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, okay. Well, there you have it. You're going to make it after all. I love that theme song. It yeah. definitely makes me feel emotional. One of the details that I that really stuck out to me the most um, that he brought up on the, the first Mary Tyler Moore episode was that the lyric like changes as you might just make it after all. Oh, yeah. Or it's um, vice versa. I forgot which way it goes, but... That's really touching and beautiful to me. Well, I mean, it's it's actually, uh, I mean, it's more transcendent than the trite Twitter like we're all gonna make it. Mm. But this is, but this is, you're gonna make it after all. You're gonna make it. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that right now because I've been feeling quite insecure about. Um, you know, if I'm going to make it or whatever, I, you know, life feels like a battle for me more than ever. I'm like in mm. the common writer, Yuki mirror universe, like fighting off monsters and other common writers. And, um, you know, it's like, am I really going to like half the characters in that show get slaughtered? And sometimes I feel like I'm lined up to be a casualty because of my hedonistic interests and, um, lack of, uh, sort of, like, mature life choices. I'm very stuck in Hannah Horvath mode. And so to hear that is, uh... It's interesting to hear the the complexity in either you're going to make it or you might just make it. Hmm. And I guess Mary Tyler Moore um, ends without her getting a partner, which is atypical of soap operas. And, um... Yeah, all of that really hits for me, as the Zoomers say. It reminds me of, um, like, the ending to Barbie. I haven't seen it. I'm going to go see it with my mom. Ah, that's cute. I think I've read the plot description, though, so maybe I already know what happens. Yeah, I mean, because spoilers aren't real. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Barbie might just make it after all. Yeah, uh, I think so. I mean, she's been through it. I'm not going to say any more, but definitely report back when you see it. Did you like it? I loved it. Honestly, if there were nobody in the theater, I would have been ugly crying, but I had to contain my tears a bit. Okay, I'm looking forward to giving it a try. I'm kind of indifferent about it at current. Yeah, I mean, um, I have a tendency when new media is released and there's a lot of hype, I just run the other way. Um, I don't... I should be more just, like, run into the fire. Uh... But, like, I think people are really quick always to, like, have an opinion on, like, whatever the current thing is that's happening. Yeah, current thing um, reaction as a profession. Yeah. It drives engagement, obviously. 
um, and money for people, certain people. But um, yeah, I didn't have any like hard feeling about Barbie being, um, you know, oh, because everyone's typed up, I'm going to be contrarian and not like it or anything. Uh, it's certainly like the most successful marketing effort ever, probably, <laughs> if if not just then the 21st century alone, because it's pretty incredible how um, this thing is developed. And, you know, it's got a pretty, um, I think, atypical angle of something that has done so successful at the box office. It's like it gets pretty existential of just about taking it a step further about identity. It's like, mm. how are, how are we defined, you know? Um, because like part of the end of the movie is like, you think, you know, Ken and Barbie get to end up together and feel completed. It's like, no, that's like, maybe you're not defined that way. Maybe you're not defined by that, you know, having your partner, like what, what does it mean to be you? What does it you mean know, to I... be you? Um, give me one second. Cause I have to, I'm not going to stop recording, but I have to carry my computer inside keep it running keep it running yeah i'm keeping that's it what, running that's that's this would be on uh tpn to be like uh don't stop anything oh yeah uh, just keep it running anything, just keep it running <laughs> and then and then some dickhead would be like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna stop it you want me to stop it i miss those times into the cul-de-sac. Oh, it, it, you remember me don't you <laughs> Sorry, I'm almost done. I just have to finish up inside. Okay. Now we want to... Good. Dinner's ready. I just have to get it back out of the fridge. I didn't want it to spoil. What did you make, Mom? Burritos. Oh, that's right. I'm looking forward to that. Okay, we're in my makeshift room now. <laughs> You're watching CNN. I love your mom. <laughs> I'll make sure you... I'll, I'll let her know you said so. Okay, so who is this strange man telling me these things? I told her before that she was uh, quite successful on the show. I don't know if she believed it or not. <laughs> well, she's already a celebrity, so. Yeah, she's she's so popular. Uh, and so are you. Oh, thank you. Okay, let me just plug this in. Okay, we're all plugged in again, and there's going to be an echo in here for sure. All right, I don't hear any, so we're good. All right. Um, well, yeah, let's just kind of wrap it up then. So what does TPN mean to you overall, like, thematically? Like, what, what is this going to mean for you as you proceed into the future from here? Oh, my God. Um, certainly, we're going to make it after all. <laughs> I think... I mean, there's just so many things, Zach. It's it's hard to pin it down to just the one, because it's just so like all encompassing. But certainly, because um, there's the beauty, but also there's just sort of tragedy in it as well. Just in the passage of time, um, and that's what I'm sort of thinking about. And ta- taking, not, I don't know. I don't want to sound at the risk of sounding cliche, you know taking things for granted but um 
Live, laugh. No, I don't want to say live, laugh, love. That's not how I feel. I feel a little I, live, I, laugh, love, but I'm not quite all the way there yet. Yeah, it's it's not as tongue-in-cheek in, as that. It's certainly, I mean, I, I'm almost in tears right now. I just feel totally uh, thankful that I found, you know, this. And um, it certainly enhanced my life for the better. I mean, I can't even begin to um, overstate how impactful this show has been for me. It has completely changed the direction of my artistic thinking and the daily practice of my life. I don't even, like half of my friends now in, in real life, like associate me with perfume. Um, they, yeah. they, they think of me as a perfume person. They buy me perfume for my birthdays and stuff. Um, like my ex-boyfriends think of me that way. Uh, and even beyond that, I mean like so much of like what I cling to, to, um, help me fight to survive is like the moral and emotional like instruction that I've received from this crash course and, and everything from, uh, extremely ornate literature to like soap operas. I would have never have even imagined to take seriously before. It just, it really encompasses everything high and low here and there. And, you know, if you can't, you know, if you can't have children, I think Jack has reproduced so many new new offspring. Oh, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, <laughs> well, those who don't fight won't survive. Here we go. To support the continuation of your favorite online experimental art audio project, please pledge $5 to I'm So Popular on patreon.com slash I'm So Popular. The bonus episodes of the show, the essential untucked continuation sirens, as well as access to the Discord and Chi-Chi's book club. Ja matane. Ja matane.